Blog Talk Radio. You ready? Let's do it. Central here on the 6 o'clock hour of Wednesday evening. I'm Richie Yelvin alongside Eugene Benton here for a solid, a solid three-hour show. And when I say three hours with five guests, two guys bringing the heat for three hours, Eugene, man, I got to tell you, tonight's guest list may be one of our best here as we continue to start this 2021 year in style. And by that, might I add, our our department in the design field has done an incredible job of, of really putting some graphics up. I know you uh, kind of steerheading that one. And uh, again, tonight with Mike Uva coming on at 630 from Watch Fox. He's part of the ABC Sports crew up there in Columbia, South Carolina. We got the new coach over there at Berkeley High School, Coach Dr. Jerry Brown. He's going to be hanging out with us talking Berkeley Jack football. We'll get his numbers and, and all of his stats here in just a little bit. Then about uh, – 7.30, 7.30, we'll be checking in with uh, Somerville High School's varsity boys coach, Coach David Long. He'll be hanging out with us here uh, for a few. And then at 7, excuse me, at 8 o'clock, it's going to be uh, Coach Blake Hall. That's the Goose Creek High School varsity boys basketball coach. He'll be hanging out with us uh, at 8 o'clock. And then we take a road trip. How about this one? We're going all the way to Delaware where we'll hang out with an assistant coach, all the way from Del Mar High School. That's Coach Cox. They just started their season in January. They're three games in. I think they've got 13 total games. They're 3-0. and We'll talk to him about how it looks like on his end, what are things uh, coming up on his side of the uh, conversation. But let's bring in Eugene as, uh, man, South Carolina once again starting it off with uh, having to replace what sounds like maybe another coach. The running back coach looks to be heading – to uh, another destination, but in the NFL, by the way, not in uh, college or anywhere else. And then we've seen some eyeballs from some of the running backs. Uh, w- what means of that? Hopefully we'll get that conversation with Mike Uba at 630. But 
Tennessee's named the head coach. I think they're surprised. Uh, Paul Fonbon says this is all they needed to know, that they are not where they needed to be by this hire. He's not happy about this hire either. And there's a lot of people who, who don't feel like uh, he was the right guy for the job. But, Eugene, with all that being said, brother, man, how was your Wednesday and what's on your mind? Not bad. Got some work done today and uh, got some stuff sent out to the boss on the on the email and uh, got some things accomplished and some things off the plate. So um, that was a good day getting that done. Uh, son came home early from school at 2 o'clock and we hung out, watched a little uh, history channel together and hung out for a little bit. And then uh, he's going to work out and do a shower while, while uh, you know, you and I take care of the show. Uh, he, he's headed to the gym. So, uh it was a pretty good day, man. Uh, just kind of, you know, jury day, lots of rain in the, in the low country the past couple of days. But, you know, it's uh, been work talking to the man up in um, Charlotte, trying to get something done for uh, Saturday up in Columbia. And um, looks to be getting that done. So we might be spending some time with uh, the guys from Carolina and Clemson and Tennessee uh, on Saturday. So we'll see what happens with that. But, um, yeah, the graphics, man, it's a, you know, it's a learning process and just trying to get it going and, um you know, trying to learn the software and the systems and, and, you know, the quality of pictures. And, you know, we want to put out high-quality stuff. Um, you know, their graphics department has been doing this for years ahead of us, so we're playing a little catch-up, but that's okay. You know, we're trying to do what we can do. And, you know, part of what we want to do this year is to make it about athletes and give something fun, something they can promote. We've seen a couple of them that we've sent to guys. They've, you know, asked us for graphics and whatnot, and they've put it out there and put it on Twitter and, you know, it's always fun to see them do that and see the, the comments and get those uh, fires in your DMs, the, the fire emojis. It's pretty cool, and uh, that's been fun. But uh, hopefully, um, Coach Steele, if you're listening, hopefully you like yours, man, and uh, like what we did for uh, for Coach Brown as he's coming on tonight at 7, uh, 7 o'clock. Yeah, a lot of things are happening around, of course, uh, you know, high school basketball is going to get up and, and swinging because even though, we, you know, tonight we're going to kind of tape off where we where we left off on Monday night where we had a coach that is coaching and a coach that has not coached since mid-December. And that's basically what it looks like tonight is we'll have Coach David Long in here from Somerville. You know, his last game, looking at his notes, and hopefully it's accurate, was uh, on it looks like um, where they beat actually Berkeley. Uh, and it was about the 18th of December. Now, they will be back on the court coming up this Friday on January the 29th, but their season pretty much set a five-game schedule – excuse me, a four-game schedule as they'll see Stahl at home, the good West Ashley, the good Ashley Ridge, and then come home and play against Fort Dorchester. On the other side, you, you got to look over there where the coach who uh, – and Coach Blake Hall from Goose Creek, you know, these guys are also sitting here with only five games under their belts, uh, you know, with wins. And they, of course, swept Stahl. They swept Ashley Ridge, and they beat West Ashley only the one time they played them. So this, again, has affected them because their region play doesn't start until tomorrow night where they'll get to see uh, a road game against Berkeley, who's struggling, by the way, at 0-6 right now. And um, then they play on Saturday against Kane Bay. But they have, you know, uh, the, the regular schedule. You know, they're going to play person in, or each team in their region twice. You know, that's kind of a different deal. And I'm kind of surprised that, that there wasn't some type of a, a down-the-road thing. And even if you saw down there, I believe our guys from Loco Sports talked about a region down there. They're, they're looking to do a playoff, basically a tournament, if you will, to try to figure out who's going to win that region. So there's, there's a lot of different pieces and parts that, that really, honestly, Eugene, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's, a, if it's a level playing field. You know, you can't get mad at the coaches and the players. You know, this is directed by the leadership. 
And again, I understand that the commissioner, you know, he wants to allow the districts to figure this thing out, but it definitely makes it a little different scheme of things. And some teams, of course, have not stopped practicing and playing. Well, other teams have, and, and, and some teams actually started practicing back last week, like Charleston County, where those guys, of course, uh, are practicing. But the word on the street is Charleston County schools are going to have to wear their mask when they're playing. Eugene, have you heard anything about that? I did hear that. Uh, I heard that recently with other sports as well, is that they're going to have to wear the mask to play. Now, I did look through the pictures. You know, we had Coach Hollis on on Monday. They did play last night against North Charleston. Uh, that was a heck of a win by those guys, 86 to 38 on the road at North Charleston, right here in my neighborhood. And, uh, you know, it was, it was um, I, I looked at the pictures and those boys weren't wearing masks for North Charleston. So I don't know, but I did hear that. I did hear that, uh, you know, that was one of the things that Charleston County was looking at was having uh, kids play with the mask on, which, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe some people are smarter than us that have MD behind their name that, that says this is okay. I just kind of wonder about some of the, the, you know, oxygen levels and things like that and, you know, trying to compete, especially in a sport like basketball where you're constantly running up and down the court. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, like I said, I don't want to make the call because I don't have an MD behind my name uh, on whether or not that's a good thing. I, I know my personal beliefs, so I'm going to leave them out of that and let the MDs decide what to do. But um, I did hear that. And, uh, again, big shout-out to uh, Coach Hollis and Oceanside getting up that win. You know, he came on the show and said – he heard it was a go. He was going to prepare. And, you know, it's kind of like what you were talking about, you know, where, where things are fair or not fair. You know, coaches coach, players play. Uh, they're not deciding uh, who to play and when to play. They're just being told, you know, you got a game this time, you can go play it, and they're going to do that. They're preparing to go play every game. Whether they play that game or not, you know, that's decided by the people at the top. And, uh, you know, they just want to go do their job, whether it be the coach or the player, and go win. And uh, that's what, you know, I, I, that seems to be the mantra of all the coaches. You know, we had, you know, the coach over at Fort Dorchester on. He just said, look, man, it's, it's a crazy format, and we don't know what it's going to be from week to week. We just know right now we're not going to get a chance to play these teams twice. So if we, we can't go into it saying, you know what, if we're down to these guys, that's okay. We'll regroup and come back and get them next time because, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be a next time. So we just need to play to win this game. And uh, it's created the same type of atmosphere just like we had in football where, you know, every Friday was a playoff game. Just like in college right. football, sometimes in the NFL. Every every game counts. You know, you look at Major League Baseball when they had full seasons with 162 games, and you start getting down to that third week of August, first week of September, and you start looking at, near, you know, two games out of first place or two games out of the playoff. Well, you know, those two games might have been in May. You know, that maybe the starters were tired and you gave them a day off and you lost a three-to-one game on the road – then you dropped another two-to-one game. No, those games matter, didn't they? They matter now because you're not in the playoffs because of two games in May. And so it just really creates a, a, a right-now atmosphere that, you know, we got to get the job done today. There may not be tomorrow uh, in, in the world of sports, whether it be, uh, you know, due to cancellation or that, you know, your season's over because you didn't win enough. We saw that right. in, in high school football. One game meant a, a, a state can title contender didn't get to play in the playoffs because of one game. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it is creating that atmosphere uh, for a fan's perspective. It can kind of be more fun because, you know, the ballers are coming out with the hair on fire and knowing that, hey, this this might be it. So uh, I think you're getting a lot of quality uh, games and competitions out of it because of that. Yeah, and, and you nailed it on the head there, Eugene, because, th- th- again, 
every game matters. And every game should matter. I mean, I've never played a game in the years that I played sports that, that the game didn't matter. I didn't care if it was a scrimmage or, 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 or a regular season game or a preseason post. It didn't matter. If it was a game and I was playing, I wanted to win that one. And, 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 and even as a coach, I was the same way. And I had to explain that to the kids that I taught or coached or, or, or what have you. I said, look, we're here to do one thing. You know, we're here to get better, no doubt about it. But we're here to win this game. Right? That's why we showed up. That's why we practiced. That's why we went in and put in the extra work because we want to get that result. And that result's going to be given everything we got and let's go for the win. Now, we fall short. And that's okay as long as we've given everything we've got and we can say that at the end of this thing. Uh, one team, many teams, by the way, that are counting down, marking down, and looking at the calendar are those teams of the spring. And in February the 1st, well, they'll start to do their thing. Baseball, softball, they'll start doing their thing very, very soon, along with soccer and all those spring sports. They're getting ready to start getting after it. They've been releasing information on social media highway, it seems like, for the last couple of weeks, and it's gotten really, really busy. I'm talking I-26, 5 o'clock westbound busy on the uh, world of uh, Twitter and Facebook right now because they are super stoked. I mean, because just think about it, Eugene. They didn't play but just a few weeks last year, and then they were told ain't happening. Well, right now, at this moment, in the good Lord willing and the creek doesn't rise, we're playing some spring sports. And we're going to cover the spring sports, by the way. We just want to make sure that we, we do like we did with, with the football. We're going to do it with the basketball. We're going to be bringing on some ladies, by the way. The girls, we're not leaving you girls out in basketball. We'll be talking to some female coaches and the male coaches and, and as well as the players on, on this thing as well, especially toward we get into the playoffs. But then uh, around the end of February, end of March, we'll start to look at the spring sports. But that's one of the things that Eugene and I and our team here at Southern Sports Central went into the 2020 end-of-the-year meeting and said, what do we need to do better today than we did yesterday? And I thought we did a pretty good job last year, but it's like I told our team, there's still a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of athletes to be covered and a lot of athletes to be hurt. Now, the one thing that I've gotten a lot of compliments on is the coaches. Like we'll hear from tonight, the two coaches, three, excuse me. We got three coaches. We got a football coach and two basketball coaches joining us here. And uh, check that. We got two football and two basketball coaches. I almost forgot how busy we were, Eugene. But each one of these individuals have a testimony, have a path, have a past, and now are here in the present. And we're going to find out what led them to where they are now. And they've all got their own accolades. I can't wait to hear from them. Now, in the other world, of course, uh, and we're all interested to hear this conversation Tennessee, where Eugene, I really did. I, I thought, and again, maybe my fault, but I thought they really were going to go again, go after the coach over there from Clemson. But that didn't happen as uh, Josh Hupel has uh, joined the, uh, the staff over there at the uh, University of Tennessee. He's named, of course, the 27th head football coach over there in Knoxville. Now, the former Oklahoma quarterback who led his team to the national title and who is an assistant coach and a head coach captured conference championships at Oklahoma and UCF has been named the 27th head football coach at the University of Tennessee. That's coming out of the uh, vice chancellor director of athletics, Danny White, who announced this one earlier today. Now, Hoople's family did, of course, uh, arrive in the old UT jet, landed down. You saw the sun there decked out with the orange tie, the orange hat. And, uh, of course, Coach had on his suit. Mom had on hers, and I believe that was his daughter that came out. And she was uh, supporting some of that uh, University of Tennessee uh, swag as well. I'm not 100% sold on it. I know some people would say things like not a good hire. Some would say a good hire. 
our good buddy Clemson Tom, who has uh, got a seat here at the house all the time, who, by the way, congratulations, just had a little baby boy earlier this week or over the weekend. He said that not a good hire. I mean, he said that, uh, that, that where he came from, right, he was at UCF, I believe, actually uh, is not as in good a shape as it was when he got there. Eugene, I know you've been on top of this story today, buddy. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit torn. Now, we did start seeing uh, when, when the, the first initial chatter was Tony Elliott. And then, of course, sure. the uh, coach up at um, Northwestern, I believe it was Northwestern, and, and uh, coach out at, uh, I believe it was Baylor or something like that. Um, but, you know, we started to see when this thing started to get a little bit closer, uh, a lot of the people, the insiders over at, like, BallQuest and things like that were saying that, you know, the people at the top, they were hearing uh, that the – AD wanted to hire a head coach, someone to come in with head coaching experience and offensive minded, you know, so obviously, you know, we got into the research and looked up, you know, so we went out to compare what we could compare. And that was the last year that uh, coach Heupel was at an SEC school. He was at the uh, university of Missouri for a couple of years as offensive coordinator uh, while he was there. You know, his last year, he put up big numbers. I mean, there's it, it, it is the SEC, but they led the SEC in offense that year. Uh, with, uh, let's see, it was 502 yards per game, 6,528 yards of offense. That's a lot. 4,000 passing, 2,500 rushing. So I was like, okay, so that was SEC. So let's look at what he did in 2020 with this funky year. You know, he had uh, 5,681 yards. Played 10 games, so it's 568 yards of offense per game. So he's putting up offensive numbers. So, yeah, and people, you know, so I, you know, was looking at both sides of the coin. Some of the people out were saying, well, when he was at the SEC and he was at Missouri, he had a quarterback that's now in the NFL. So, you know, you don't always get those guys. So I looked at what he had last year. He started a true freshman who was six feet tall over at, uh, at Central Florida and put up again. A total of 5,681 yards. So, you know, if they want offense, uh, apparently, you know, he's pretty good at, at coaching quarterbacks. You know, uh, like you said, he was a high, uh, national champion quarterback. He, he coaches quarterbacks. He coached a quarterback in college that made it to the NFL. Um, you know, so it's going to be a wait and see. I really, if it were me, I probably would have gone with uh, Tony Elliott. Uh, they have their reasons for that. And, you know, it sounds like, again, that uh, the higher-ups were saying they wanted to bring in a head, someone who's already been a head coach and, and not the coordinator route. Um, the final three looked to be all head coaches, and, of course, they hired a head coach. Uh, coach Heupel's now uh, the man at the helm up in Rocky Top. So, you know, we'll see. And if they put up those numbers like we put out on the tweet, you'll hear a lot of Rocky Top woo played in, played in uh, K-Town up there because, you know, if he can do what he did in, in the past and looking at his resume, that's a lot of points and a lot of touchdowns. Uh, be a lot of uh, – a lot of uh, ball players with the ball in their hands standing in the checkered end zone. Now, when you start to look at some of the quotes here, I'm going to give you a couple of them here as we're talking about, of course, the new head coach over there at the University of Tennessee. It, of course, has been out since about midday. The, the rumors started speculating late yesterday evening and into the morning where there seems to be a, a lot more conversation of it's happening, and then it happened. Uh, it looked like around 1230 uh, as uh, there was a live stream press conference Wednesday uh, on the UTSports.com and the SEC network. Uh, this was a quote that says, uh, we looked at a number of potential candidates. Uh, this, of course, is the athletic director, White, said, uh, Josh Heifel, of course, who 
I had the privilege of working with for three years, there you go, is everything we're looking for, winning with integrity, a history of championships, and the text of explosive offense. That's what Eugene just mentioned, that high-power flying offense. He's a player's coach and the kind of person the student athletes go the extra mile for. I saw that firsthand, and you can see it in his coaching record. Now, with a pedigree of fast-paced and exciting teams, of course, Heifel uh, was named the 2018 first-year coach of the year by the Football Writers Association of America, and he was a finalist for the Associate Press National Coach of the Year Award as well. Now, that is a DePaul Bryant uh, Beer Coach of the Year Award and the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award in the same season. So you start to kind of put things together. Now, he went on, of course, uh, this is from the new coach, says, I am thrilled to be coming to Tennessee. I understand that the volunteer fans are hungry for a return to the top they so richly deserve. And it is my goal, commitment to bring championships back to Rocky Top. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not a big fan of the introduction uh, of what coaches have to say at the beginning. I, they say what you want them to hear. Uh, they they, they kind of go down the line of check that box, check that box. They know, they hear, they've read. He is, trust me, he has gone after, uh, you know, ball Twitter all day long. He has looked at it. He's read it. He's, uh, he's heard all the ups and all the downs. There have been a lot more downs than, than ups. But We'll just have to wait and see if you're a Tennessee fan. You know, I'm curious your thoughts on it. If you want to chime in throughout tonight, we'd love to hear from you at 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. Give us a call and and let us know your thoughts because, uh, again, interesting conversations, Eugene, as you start to put out. Now, the other news. And this was something that was kind of interesting, Eugene. Tell us a little bit about what happened in our – what's the the rumors or is it done? I haven't had a chance to look at the latest, but a running back coach at the University of South Carolina might be uh, might be moving on out. Somebody else might have to move on in. What's up in uh, Columbia? Well, we know it appears that uh, Coach Kitchens has taken the running back's job over with the Atlanta Falcons. So, uh, you know, you hate to, hate to lose a good coach. That actually was – Probably the strongest, uh, if you look at the uh, position groups at South Carolina this year with the running backs. You know, the five-star running back who, you know, was supposed to be kind of the next Marcus Lattimore, who hadn't had a, a five-star running back in a while, signs that he, he gets hurt uh, and can't play this year. He hurts his knee uh, in practice. And, oh, by the way, another running back comes in and puts up a ton of yards and looks like, wow, you know, this, this is going to be an amazing, very deep group the next couple of years. Um and uh, but you know, I mean, moving on to the NFL, it's hard to it's hard to hold that against a guy. You know, you you get into the coaching gig to be a head coach, you know, or if you you know when you start out, you want to be a coordinator, you work your way up to that. You know, a lot of high school coaches want to be college coaches. You know, college coaches want to be NFL coaches. So you know, it's hard to hold that if that was his dream was to make it to the NFL. You know, we you know we sat here, we can't we can't hold it against him when we sit here and praise and. and Seeing the glories, you know, days on end uh, for Coach Deuce Staley. You know, he he's made his way as a right. running back coach and an assistant head coach, and now he's up at Detroit as a running back coach and assistant head coach again. Um, you know, so like I said, you know, you can't you can't speak out of both sides of your mouth when one of them leaves your university. Hopefully, you know, that, that's a uh, I take it as a feather in your cap that if your university uh, is good enough to put a coach into the NFL, that's a good thing. 
you know, it could be that he comes back one day as a head coach. You never know how these things go. But, you know, it, it's a heck of a thing to put on his resume to have that opportunity um, over in Atlanta. So, you know, we want to wish him well and not hold any ill will against the guy. You know, he came here. He did his best. He did a great job, like I said. Probably one of the best position groups in in a year that was saw a lot of, uh, we'll call it strife, <laughs> you know, and, and that led to a coaching change midseason um, that ended up with a losing record and whatnot. But, again, the running backs were a very bright spot of the uh, of the whole team this year. So he did a great job. Obviously, he did a great job or the NFL wouldn't have come calling. And so, uh, like I said, we'll wish him well. Now the now the you know the talk will be turned to who's the next running back coach you know where do they come from you know what are they going to bring to the table you know can they recruit can they coach who have they coached and so that'll be the next story that I'm sure uh, when Mike joins us in a couple of minutes he'll probably already have a, a few leads on that I'm sure he's already done some digging so we'll see where it goes um, there are a lot of great running back coaches out there uh, I know people are looking for them Alabama just poached a running back coach from North Carolina. And so, uh, you know, Clemson, uh, I guess Tony's going to stay on there, so they'll keep their running back coach. But uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes because it's going to be interesting. I'm sure, it, it, you know, uh, Coach Beamer won't be short of any resumes uh, showing up on his desk uh, in the next couple of days for, you know, interested guys wanting to get come on and join that new staff and uh, be a part of the program, especially knowing what they already have in the stable to coach up. Yeah, and, and I think the biggest thing that like got a lot of guys kind of thinking right now, and, and of course Mike Uva put it out there, copying basically what you might have seen on Marshawn Lloyd, the big running back that Eugene was talking about, maybe being uh, a similar like running back like Marcus Lattimore. I don't think there'll ever be another Marcus Lattimore, but definitely in a conversation with him, that was kind of the hope when he came to Columbia, and I think there's going to be a lot of future for this guy. But how about Kevin Harris, another man? Both of these gentlemen had the eyes, uh, you know, emoji, if you will, uh, at one point on their Twitter handle. Now, does it mean, wow, look at the new schedule? Because, by the way, the SEC did release their new schedules out today for the 2021 season coming up uh, in about, what, six or seven months, whatever it is now. Uh, but that being said, or was it because of the running back coach? And, of course, right out of the gate, Gamecock fans are begging, hey, please, hang on, wait a minute. I promise you, Shane Beamer is going to take care of you. Just don't go anywhere. There was a lot of pleading going on in the world of social media. And I just, I, I, I say this, and Eugene, we've, we've said this, we've echoed this, we've posted this on every Twitter, Facebook, and conversation when we speak to young athletes, do not commit to the coach. You can't fault him for wanting to go and, and, and taking a, a job that would better him, you know, and his future and his goals. Because, again, these coaches are no different than anybody else in any other workplace. They have goals, they have aspirations, they have, you know, checks list that they're trying to go to and go through. And, and you don't know, this may be his, his, the only job that would have taken him from Columbia could have been that job over there in Atlanta, in the NFL, by the way. So with that, you, you know, you, you get these guys who, who you see coaches leaving and it's going to be part of life. I mean, they, it's not the first, it's not the last. We had Harry Blake or, uh, you know, he was recruited to go to West Virginia where Bobby Bowden at the time was the head football coach at West Virginia, he gets there, he walks in, Bobby Bowden's gone. He's heading to Florida State. He had already committed to the school. Well, it worked out for Harry Blake, who, who met many records in football and in track, by the way, and, uh, you know, in an era that, uh, you know, wasn't very common 
you know, for, for a lot of the changes that were happening during that time. But for Harry Blake, uh, you know, he, he ended up becoming a record setter, uh, not only at his high school at Somerville, but he did it at West Virginia. Ends up uh, coming back to his community, being a local business owner successfully, retires in his community, raises three awesome daughters. And, I mean, it's a great legacy along with his wife, who's kind of the, uh, the head of that house. Trust and believe me. But, you know, he will tell you that. Matter of fact, I will probably have him come on on Monday to talk about his story because I think you kids need to hear that. Because this is not the first. It's not the last. And, and trust and believe me. You know, uh, you you just never know what might happen. And and the other side of this coin, before we go, by the way, there is a pitcher with Kenny Solomon, who is a defensive back and a wide receiver. Now, this kid graduated from Sacasty High School over in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, home of uh, the Braves, but also Hunter Renfro and a few other good ones out of that area. But he met this same coach on a trip, on a visit, in in, in a competition, if you will down there at this campus where Kenny broke a record, which ended up getting him a ton of attention. He actually had an offer from this same school. You never know how the world is going to work when it's all said and done. A lot of kids found that out with Will Muschamp when they visited Florida, decided South Carolina. Here he comes to South Carolina. Now you see this coach coming in here from UCF. Well, a lot of these same kids, I would imagine, have taken this road trip over to UCF. So you just – I'll say this, and I said this on Twitter – be mindful. Treat those the way you want to be treated and leave those really interested in seeing you around the corner and not wishing uh, anything but the best for you. So a quick break, a little message, if you will, a little motivation from our man as uh, some uh, – I think it's time for some Motivation Wednesday. We'll be right back. Coming up, we're heading to Columbia where we'll check in with Mr. Mike Yuva from Watch Fox and ABC Sports. Guys, don't go anywhere. Somebody say, E, what's your alarm clock? My passion. My dreams wake me up. I don't need no alarm clock. I'm going to bed pissed that I got to go to bed. Some of you going to sleep and you don't deserve to be. You don't deserve rest. Lazy. You don't deserve rest. Rest is for people who work. You ain't doing nothing. Every day you chilling. You need to know your why. And my why wakes me up every single morning. Why do you do what you do? And that's so important. Look, ain't no more talking. This is it. If you ready to take your game to the next level in whatever it is, sports, life, business, whatever it is, health, listen to me very closely. You got to change that mindset. Somebody came up to me. They said, E.T., man, I'm tired, E.T. I'm tired, E.T. I put in the work, E.T. I'm not seeing the results, E.T. I'm ready to give up, E. I'm ready to give in, E. I did what you told me to do. I read the book you told me to read. I put in the hours you told me to put in. E, I'm doing it, and I'm not seeing anything. My why is every single day when I wake up, every minute of the day, every hour of the day, I have an opportunity. Somebody who quit, somebody who gave up, somebody who stopped in life. I have the power at my nickname, the refresher. I have the power as the refresher to make you believe again, to make you get up when you got up three times and you say, I'm not getting up no more. When you get to the point where enough is enough, when you get to the point where it hurt real bad, when you get to the point you can't take it no more, when you get to that point, I'm telling you, I can't explain it to you. 
but doors start opening. Opportunities start happening. But what you cannot do is you cannot quit doing the process. I'm about to wrap this thing up. Listen to me. You can't make a difference until you make a decision. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yelvin alongside Eugene Benton. It is Wednesday night. We're heading to Columbia to the studios over there. Watch Fox with the one and only Mike Yuva. He, of course, is part of that ABC sports team up there in Columbia and does a great job covering the great state of South Carolina. We say good evening. Mr. Mike, how's life up in Columbia here on a Wednesday night, buddy? Going well, Rich. And you? Fraction. We're bad, Fox. man. We're not that other Mike over at that other station oh. in town. We don't, we don't say those three letters in this town. I do apologize, and I owe you a dinner on that one. My is my fault, man. Look at there. Live radio at its best, Eugene. Oh, Write yeah. that down, big guy. <laughs> now, yeah, let me yeah, ask you this. Have you ever heard a guy – have you ever heard a guy is motivating is Eric Thomas? No, he's ready to go. Nope, I mean, when, when, not. when you hear – to make a difference, you got to make a decision, know your why, the mindset, the direction, the drive, the result, all of that, man, it, it's just, it, it's so impressive to hear, man. And, and again, I, I, you just, for me, even at 43 years old, you know, Mike, I still go back into that vault. I still listen to it. When I wake up in the morning, man, that's, you know, I do a little bit of routine, but that's part of it, man. You know, when you got to get up and you're still that athlete and you wants to come out. No, it's funny you say that. I mean, I remember when I was in college just listening to some of the things that he would say. And, you know, it helped me as, as, a, as a college football player who went through, you know, several injuries, and not just as, a, as an athlete, but a student athlete. You know, you have to juggle things. And, you know, I think anytime someone can, can motivate you, and it doesn't even have to be an athlete because we all go through t- some type of struggles. I mean, just look at this past year, right? Everyone went through some type of struggles in some way. Anytime you have someone like that can, that can be able to lift you up is obviously a positive. So it's, it's, it's always great to be able to hear what, anything that he has to say. You just want to sit down and listen. Well, let's do this. Uh, let us sit down and listen to what you think's going on now at the running back position. Is, of course, it uh, looks like Coach Kitchens <laughs> is uh, packing up the pot and pans and everything and heading to Atlanta. But the thing that threw me off, and I copied you and, and, and retweeted you and all that good stuff on social media, when Marshawn Lloyd and Kevin Ayers put the eye signs. Now, were they talking about the schedule? Were they talking about the coach? In your mindset, what do you think was going through their minds uh, here as uh, they were starting to put out a little bit of smoke on social media. Well, I think the first thing that just kind of stands out is just the fact that it was the same exact tweet. It was the same exact emoji used, um, just the eyeballs for some people that might not know what we're talking about uh, at the same exact time. So, I mean, these two had to be right next to each other, right? Or that's just one of the craziest coincidences in the world, uh, which I don't think is the second part. I think it's more of the first part. To me, and I don't know this for certain because, I mean, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said I want to, you know, I, I, I see it with some of my um, mentors up in Boston that, that cover the Patriots and have covered the Red Sox. And, you know, they had to do this, do this and try to d- decode 
what Rob Gronkowski meant anytime he put an emoji out. I don't want to have my life evolved around 18 to 22-year-olds and what they're trying to uh, put out in terms of emojis. But my guess, my guess would be that's more so about the news with Dez leaving. Now, does that mean they're thinking about leaving? No. I think it, it caught them off guard a little bit because that's what happens, especially with the offseason that South Carolina has had. It's been very unorthodox, to say the least. Yes, coaching changes happen. Coaches leave for other opportunities. But to see it happen as quickly as it has over these last three weeks for South Carolina is definitely devastating in a lot of ways. But, you know, this is the time of year college coaches make that jump to the NFL. And for a guy like Des Kitchens, we know what he was able to do last season with with Kevin Harris and being able to get him to that point where he was the leading rusher in the regular season in the SEC. I don't think it should surprise people that he grabbed the attention at that next level, and now the Falcons will be will be uh, employing him. Now let me ask you this. Where do the Gamecocks go from here? Have you heard any names, any news? Of course, uh, who, who would be next to run this amazing – by the way, I thought one of the strongest part of, of the Gamecocks team on, on both yeah. sides of the ball was that running back group. Well, I think it's one of those things that's easy to sell, right? I mean, yeah, you can look at big picture in terms of South Carolina having to be able to get – themselves back in the right direction and in terms of being able to turn this ship around. Um, But if you're a running backs coach and you want an opportunity to coach, not just one of the best running backs in the country, a guy who is very underrated outside of the SEC and maybe even the SEC as as a whole, just because he didn't get the recognition that he probably deserved just because the team struggled. Uh, But the people that watched him week in and week out and saw the stats knew how good Kevin Harris was, but you have a guy like Marshawn Lloyd. Yes. He's coming off an injury, but you have four years of him if he wants to be able to do that. And uh, he's a talented back, man, so why wouldn't you want to come over here? I don't know at this time who South Carolina could be looking at just because, you know, we went into the press conference today hearing from the the, the last piece, the last on-field coaching position hire for South Carolina thinking everything's all done. And a couple hours later, what happens right before the SEC announces their schedule for this season? We have another coach on his way out. So I think with everything going on in terms of winter workouts just starting up uh, just a couple, just was maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, and being able to try to get things going and getting ready for spring football, I think there's so many moving parts here. I'd be lying to you if I said I had any clue. I'm sure Coach Beamer has put a list together, though, and they're prepared for stuff like this. You know, you have to be prepared. You have to be ready for plan B and sometimes even plan C. So I'm sure there's a couple guys he has in mind. You know, the thing is, as we're hanging out right now, of course, one of the best in the business there, Mike Yuva from Watch Fox Sports up there in Columbia, South Carolina, is that they always say you want to start out with your own coaches. You want to come in with your own designs. And, and that's not always the easiest thing to do because you don't want to hurt, you know, certain relationships and things like that. But by design, you know, Mike, that's basically what he's done. I mean, you know, by trial and error, I guess you would say uh, he's basically had to create a whole new staff in about – what, a month's time right before National Signing Day coming up on the 3rd of February? Yeah, I mean, and that, and that, that's always the toughest part, right? We knew going into early signing day, despite Ray Tanner, despite President Caslin, despite the fact they wanted to get in a coach here before signing day, that it wasn't going to be a full or complete class by any means, right? Just because you're behind the eight ball a little bit. So you were looking at this second signing day period, that first week in February, thinking, okay, South Carolina, yes, they might have a guy or two that they're able to get out of the transfer portal. We've seen some JUCOs come along now too. But you were looking at this signing day, the second signing day period, 
looking and, and hoping that, okay, South Carolina can be, can be able to catch up a little bit, especially now that Tennessee is, is done a done a no. I don't even say a 180. They are just in the middle of the lake, going in circles right now, not knowing what they're going to be doing. Uh, they have no head. You know, they're, they're trying to just figure out what's what's next for them. So you have an opportunity to be able to gain some ground back in the SEC East. The challenging part right now is you just don't know how everything's going to look now in terms of trying to put this thing together. Because yes, you have had some players leave, but you're trying to put this staff still together. There's been so many moving pieces. You're just doing everything you can right now to salvage this point of the off season to get ready for spring football. So there's some type of continuity, number one, but number two, you're just, you want to be able to feel good before you go into fall camp. Hanging out right now with one of the best in the biz all the way at watch Fox sports, Columbia, South Carolina's own Mike Yuva, as we talk about, you know, the Gamecocks and the changes. Now, you kind of gave us a segue there. New coach, not a favorable by a lot of national writers and media guys out there. Of course, Paul Fonbon mentions uh, that this is proof that things are really bad in, in, in Knoxville when they uh, got in here with Josh Heupel, of course, uh, coming out of here out of Central Florida. Of course, he's uh, he, he's got a great resume. But let me ask you, you know, Mike, did they get the right guy or did you feel like, you know, Tony was the guy they should have went after and, and taken him out of Clemson? I feel like you could have got Nick Saban or Bill Belichick. Anyone could have took that position, and there'll be someone still over in Knoxville complaining. I mean, it has turned into one of those programs that it is so toxic, right? We talk about with South Carolina, sometimes maybe the expectations are a little too high at times. Um, I know Shane Beamer would probably slap me if I ever said that in front of him, but that's just the reality is that, you know, South Carolina is not where – Alabama is obviously by any means, but they're not where Georgia is. You have to know who you are and be able to get back to that point of where you want to go. That's just the reality of where you are right now. Tennessee fans, they think it's still 1998 over there. You know, they're singing Rocky Top thinking that that, that Peyton Manning's still playing over there, that things are always going to be great. They don't realize who they are right now. And I think because of that, they believe that they can get any coach that they want. I mean, I said that about South Carolina during the hiring process realistically, who do you think you're going to be able to get as a coach here? You're, the only reason you're able to get names like Steve Spurrier and Lou Holt is because they were on their way out in terms of their retirement tour. You're usually going to get a guy that looks at South Carolina as their third or fourth option when you have a top-tier guy. Beamer hasn't been a proven head coach yet. Great opportunity for him, and I think he's going to be a great coach here. So I look at that, and I, put, I bring it back to Tennessee now. Tennessee's kind of in that same spot where USC is. But for whatever reason, their fans are just extremely delusional and think that they can be able to get this coach or that coach. Oh, we don't want this guy. Tony Elliott. Remember, his name started floating around. Tennessee Twitter, Tennessee social media started blowing up. We don't want that guy. Are you kidding me? Have you been able to see what he's been able to do at Clemson? I don't care that he hasn't had a head coaching opportunity. Because at some point, these coordinators need to get their feet wet. And he's a guy that's been able to prove it. So, um Good luck, Tennessee. I mean, there's nothing more I can really say about that just because it has just been a mess over there for the last decade. Let me ask you this, though. When you look at all this mess that you see, who do you see out of the SEC East or just over the all? I mean, who's been the biggest winner out of the chaos in Columbia, some chaos now in in Tennessee? And and once this happened in Tennessee, you notice there were players, you know, jumping in the transfer portal and, and looking around. Who do you feel at this rate is looking to be the biggest advocate or the biggest gainer out of all this chaos that's been happening in, in these two big schools in the SEC? 
Out of those two teams right now, I'd have to say South Carolina. And the reason why I say that is because of the timing. The fact that this is going on at Tennessee after we went into 2021 would scare me if I'm a Vols fan uh, and if I'm a Booster member. So they're going back to, to square one. You know, if you asked me that question back in December when Shane Beamer was hired, and this is no disrespect to him because, I, like I said, I think Beamer's going to do an outstanding job here. It might be a little bumpy at first, um, but I, I, I believe he's going to turn this program around, and I'm excited to see where it's going to head. But if you asked me that question the day after Beamer got hired, I would have said, Tennessee, they're ahead of you. They're ahead of you, maybe a couple teams ahead of you in terms of just the SEC East alone. The fact that this is all going on at Tennessee, you have guys entering the transfer portal, you know, a handful of guys less than 24 hours after the announcement that, you know, Pruitt was gone. And now you're trying to get into a, a, a routine of trying to get a coaching staff together and spring football is a couple weeks away. Tennessee's a mess right now. And on top of that, we don't know what, if at, if at all, what sanctions could be coming down the line for them. So this is, a, this is a situation where Tennessee could be set back not just a year, not just two years. It could really set them back potentially three to four years. Um, you know, they obviously have talented players. We know that in particular here in South Carolina. They have an outstanding young receiver. There's going to be a rising sophomore in Jalen Hyatt. They're losing talented players, and they're gonna, it's going to hurt them in the recruiting classes for the years to come. So I think right now you ask me what team I'd rather be for the next couple seasons, I got to go with South Carolina. Now, Mike, when you look at some of these coaches and the, you talked about the sanctions coming down to Tennessee, and this was asked to me by a, a close friend of mine who, who's got, uh, I guess, some skin in the game here when you look at it. When it comes down to these athletes, let's say, for example, let's go back to Tennessee, where there are players right now that they are keeping an eye on and they're investigating. These guys jumping into the transfer portal a, would a coach even dare take a stab at that kid or bring that kid on their campus? Because that means you're going to get the NCAA parking camp at some point on your campus, which means they're easy just to kind of look around. We're already here. Let's see what you guys have. And two, are they allowed to jump into the portal if the NCAA has them on a the list? Or how does that work when it comes down to the, the what you can and can't do in a situation like this with the portal? Do you know? You know, it's funny you ask me that because I was having that conversation just this afternoon because some of that stuff that you mentioned, I had questions myself. And I was asking a college coach, uh, not the University of South Carolina, but asking that, that coach some of those same questions. And, you know, I, I think first and foremost, whether it's Tennessee or any school that's going through a potential investigation or obviously going through investigations at Tennessee, but potential sanctions, uh, it goes back to when you're a college, I mean, you, not, not just college coach when you're recruiting a high school player, but when you're an NFL coach and you're trying to look at potential guys that you might sign as a free agent, you potentially might draft. You have to, have to, have to do your due diligence. There's no question about it. And that's why you have, uh, certain guys on on the staff, not just you know, not, not coaching staff guys in particular, but people in that building that have roles to make sure that they do things the right way. And you're doing everything you can to find out everything you can about a player. Now, let's say you're looking at a player from Tennessee and you want to bring them in here. You know, in, in this case, is there a possibility that when they sit down with you and you ask them the questions, hey, were you involved with any of this? Could they lie to you? Absolutely. You have to. I think first and foremost, you have to do your due diligence. And if you think that a player is being truthful um, and you want to take a stab at bringing them on because you think they can make an impact on your team, then you do that. 
Um, I don't know if there. I don't. You know, I, I don't believe there's any anything that that stops a player from entering the transfer portal, not knowing what they're going to do in terms of could there be allegations against them. I, I think back to a couple of years ago with Brian Bowen he, when he played basketball at South Carolina. And what did USC do? They brought him in. They did their due diligence. And unfortunately for the young man, he wasn't able to play. They sat him on the bench hoping that he would get the thumbs up, the green light to be able to play. But South Carolina decided to sit him because there was no word from the NCAA and they didn't want to take a chance. So I still think, you know, if there's a player who you think can make an impact, you bring them on after you do your due diligence. And if you think there's a possibility that he might not be able to be league, um, you know, allowed to play right now without the team getting hit with some type of penalty, you just keep him on the bench for a little bit longer. Talking a little bit of football and some recruiting. All of course, uh, National Signing Day is on the third of February. Now, of course, uh, they're not only uh, going to be looking at that, they'll be looking at the transfer portal and, and coaches carousel seems to be a very common trend right now in college football, even in the NFL. And uh, at least yeah. here in the high school level, we're not seeing it quite as much as we did this time last year. <laughs> uh, you know, Mike, let me, let me ask you this. When you look at college basketball right now, and, and we'll keep in college just for a, a few minutes. And I want to hit a couple more topics before we go. It, it, Tennessee, all these teams like that that we talk about a lot of times, you know, they're, they're in the headlines certain times. But right now, the University of Kentucky is nowhere near, anywhere near uh, of what we're used to. And I believe, didn't they not just get beat by Alabama, who, by the way, first time they've been in the top ten in so many years? Yeah, and Bama, I believe, has a ten-game winning streak, or it could be around that mark, so forgive me. Uh, if it's a game off or two, since I don't cover the Tide every day. But this is the first time they've had a winning streak of that length since 96. So, you know, Alabama is doing things that, you know, from a football school standpoint, you, you look at them at that. You don't look at them as a basketball school. So Kentucky, it's just weird right now. It's just weird to see Kentucky and Alabama in some sense. I know Alabama's kind of been in the middle of the pack the last couple of years for basketball. It's kind of funky just to see the two schools kind of flip right now. Even in the top 25, I mean, it really is. And, and I guess are we kind of surprised? I mean, is it very similar to what we saw in, in college football where a lot of the teams like the Coastals and, and other schools were able to kind of benefit? Now, you normally will see some of these mid-major teams in college basketball because that's a little different format. And, and some of those teams, of course, that's what they do. They play basketball more than they play uh, football. But But what are you thinking right now with some of the new things you've heard come out with March Madness, is it going to have uh, a, a definitely a, a different feeling and possibly a lot different look with other teams that sometimes uh, we wouldn't even be talking about making events and teams like maybe Kentucky who might even get an invite. And I'm not going to say it is, but, but the NIT right now could easily be yeah. where they could be heading. Oh, no question about it. I mean, we could talk about just how it's going to look different from a COVID standpoint since it'll all be in one location out in Indiana. We could talk about how, you know, depending on how things play out for teams, because we've, we've seen in South Carolina how it's had an impact on the Gamecocks in terms of the lack of games that they were able to play before getting things going again in conference play, and they had to wait a couple more games. Um, the minimum games that you need to play in order to just be eligible for the tournament, and I think this is important because Michigan right now, they've shut down everything for two weeks. They just announced that the other day. If a team does not hit 13 games, they're not eligible to make postseason play. And I think that is something that teams need to, or fans need to keep in mind for not just the University of South Carolina, but throughout the country. Um, 
put it this way, right? We talk about all the time in terms of the playoff committee and how difficult that is and how sometimes, like especially during a year like this, how you would not want to be on the football playoff committee, the selection committee. You imagine being on the committee this year outside of the automatic bids and having to pick some of these at-larges, and you're trying to go through the strength of schedule, but you're having to go up and, 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 and kind of comparing it to like an Ohio State situation. You have a team that's only played X amount of games, and you have this other team that's played maybe four or five, six more games than them. You know, how can you realistically make that comparison to figure out team A, team B, team C when you look at blind resumes? I mean, that's extremely difficult. So I would not be shocked if we do see some teams this year. And, you know, obviously teams can have good seasons. We understand that. But I would not be shocked this year for some of the at-large bids for teams who we look at and we'd be like, how the heck do they get into the tournament? And I think there could be a lot of parity in the tournament this year, uh, especially in that first round or so, just because we might have matchups that have no business being in here. Look, we see, we see blowouts all the time, you know, 16 seeds versus one seeds or two versus 15. But this year could be just an absolute crapshoot uh, just because we just don't know how things are going to play out because you're going to need to fill that field of 68 with obviously those four playing games, those two playing games with those four teams. And, you know, I'm looking here at the top 25, and I don't not, – not just Kentucky. I don't see Duke. I don't see North Carolina. You know, I mean, there's, there's some, there's some, some strainness going on in, in some college basketball. So, definitely going to be an interesting uh, March madness. Will be definitely a lot of madness in, uh, in about three schools for sure if they don't make that dance. Uh, the other final thing, man, the, the Super Bowl is set. Uh, you know, my team, the Packers, we're done. I'm just hoping we save the quarterback. I don't even understand why that's even a conversation after what he did this year. But uh, after two more teams are uh, hanging up some pads and, and cleats and two more teams are going to be playing going forward, you know, Mike, what's your thoughts of uh, what we saw last week and uh, just kind of an overall view uh, in the last couple of days? I think what we're seeing is, number one, Kansas City, obviously they have the talent, right? When they are, they're able to start clicking, they're extremely difficult to beat. And we saw that after they went down 9 nothing against Buffalo. The offense was able to get going. Mahomes did his thing, and they just have so many weapons on offense. From the other standpoint, though, the other side, when you're looking at Tampa Bay, the losing is franchise, not just in football, the losing is franchise in all of sports. You bring in a guy like Tom Brady, and did he play a great half of football in that second half against the Packers? Absolutely not. But he's had a tremendous season. He threw for over 40 touchdown passes, um, including the playoffs. He has led this team in his first season in the year when they were so restricted in terms of being able to do team activities, OTAs, everything gets shut down. The fact that he was able to get this team to the Super Bowl in his first season is just incredible. And the defense right now has been playing inspired football. And one of the best things is about Tom Brady is if you're able to create turnovers, you're guaranteed to at least get three points. And we've seen that in the postseason, just how well Tampa has responded when they get the ball back after turnovers. So, um, I mean, it goes without saying, but if Kansas City makes mistakes, I just don't know if they're going to win this game because Tampa's playing some hot football right now. Brady, this is his time of the year. Um, and, you know, I think everyone kind of just looks at him like, when is his age going to catch up? I don't think it's going to catch up right now. I truly don't. And the fact that he just threw three interceptions this past game and was able to get a win, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked to see him throw more than one interception, if that, in the Super Bowl. 
He doesn't make mistakes often. And when he does have bad games like that and they're still able to win, he's going to be more ticked off going into the next one. So um, I learned my lesson. I bet against Brady this past week after watching him for 20-plus years growing up in New England. I will never bet against that man again. I'm, uh, I'm, riding, I'm riding the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. Hanging out, wrapping it up here with a five-star start to the night with Mr. Mike Yuva. Watch Fox Sports on out of Columbia, South Carolina. You know we're going to hit this topic, our final topic of the night. Well, let's give him an intro. And I got to ask, when you walk into the studio or when you walk in this one place, let me see if I can key it up. I knew a man, Bojangles, and he danced for you. So when you walk into Bojangles, <laughs> Of course, he is the, the, this is the original young man, of course, who has, uh, I, I got to give you love on the, on the Yuva, by the way. And I watched you and one of your colleagues there eating it there in the studio. I haven't had it yet. And I don't know if you guys have brought it to Charleston yet, man. But, but, man, let's brag about this situation, man, because all this chaos and craziness, man, you brought a little bit of good food to the table tonight. It is the silliest, dumbest thing um, that has literally ever fell right into my lap. And I say literally, because some people might not be aware of it. After Justin Stepp, new wide receivers coach for USC, just two weeks ago had a press conference, he mentioned how excited he was to be back in South Carolina. He started mentioning all the favorite restaurants and, and food chains that he enjoyed eating in Columbia. And he just went on and on about Bojangles. And I'm like, I haven't had Bojangles in a couple of months. Let's just go. They accidentally screwed up my order. They gave me a Cajun filet with pimento cheese on a bowberry biscuit instead of a regular biscuit. I posted something about it, uh, saying it's a wild combination, but I ate it, and people started asking, how was it? Next thing I know, people are tweeting pictures at me, having the sandwich. Bojangles reaches out and says, hey, we're going to make this a secret item on the uh, menu, and now it's got to a point uh, where it is blown up. Two weeks strong. Um, there are some exciting things that I cannot discuss quite yet. I wish I could. I've been waiting to. I thought I'd get the green light by, by today, but I haven't. Um, that involves them. So I'm very excited for those things to come to fruition, and we can be able to share that. But uh, it, it has been something. You know, this is my Al Bundy four touchdowns in one game at poke high <laughs> moment. So I'm going to ride this as long as I can. Well, man, I tell you what, you are always first class in our book. I got to get you to Charleston. I don't know how much uh, time you get a chance to come down I-26 eastbound over here towards the beach, man. But if you can find some time, man, come on down. I owe you a sandwich. I'll buy you you something from a place you're familiar with. How about that? (laughs) The last time I was down there, I don't know. I just want to make sure. Maybe I'm bad luck, but we can break, break that bad luck. The last time I was there was the day where the whole world basically shut down. And the SEC tournament got canceled. Boston Marathon got canceled. And I was just like, what is going on? I was down over at, at Folly Beach. So, uh, you know, hopefully I'll have some better luck this time, next time I come out that way. Well, that just means you can't come this Friday because Dorchester County, they're, they're actually going to get to start practicing for the first time since mid-December. And uh, you can't come – well, you just can't come for a couple of weeks because we got to get at least high school basketball up and running. After that, you're good. I'll be waiting on you. I'll be waiting on you. You tell me when it's okay. It's like when I go back to Massachusetts, I kid you not. Anytime yeah. I go back, I have to let certain people know when I'm coming in advance because I always bring the snow. I went back a couple – a month ago, 15 inches of snow, the most snow they've had since March of 2018. And guess whose butt was back up in Massachusetts visiting that week? Yeah, that was me. So <laughs> I have bad luck when it comes to traveling with bringing bad 
locked vibes or whatever. I don't know what I got to go see, some type of psych, you know, psychic. I don't know what, what – uh, my point being is I don't know if I can find someone that could break this this spell that I have of, of traveling poorly. You know, I don't know what, what person I'd have to see, but we got to fix this. No doubt. There's a couple of schools I'm sure they'd like you to visit some of their rivals if that's the case. Uh, Mike, thanks for all that you do on and off the air, on this air and any other place that you – uh, are able to uh, educate, entertain us, and uh, hang out with us, buddy. But, again, God bless you. Stay safe. Enjoy the rest of the week. And I'm going to catch up with you off the air here shortly, but I appreciate you as always. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We'll say uh, good afternoon, good evening to that young man. Again, I want to apologize. Of course, he is with Watch Fox Sports over there in Columbia, South Carolina. Mike Yuva is, uh, is a guy who at the stop drop of a hat, he will come on, he will hang out with us, and educate us and entertain us. So we're going to take a break because we got to head down from Columbia to Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Now coming up next, it is the new coach with a familiar face, Coach Dr. Jerry Brown, the new Berkeley Stags football coach, is coming back to town. And now he'll join us on Southern Sports Central. Guys, don't go anywhere. Sorry, the person you are trying to reach has a voicemail box that is not... Welcome back, everybody. We're trying to get in here with Dr. Jerry Brown, having a little bit of issues there, as you could hear the dial tone and all that, Eugene. Uh, you know, uh, just trying to have him come in here, hang out with us here. Uh, again, I'm going to kind of do that while you kind of talk a little bit about what some of the things that, that Mike kind of talked about with us there from Watch Fox Sports, uh, dropping about three or four different nuggets there for us, and even talked about that famous sandwich that hopefully is going to make a trip down to the low country. Yeah, he's been talking about, you know, some big announcement, and, you know, he's frothing at the at the mouth of trying to get it out. Uh, you know, he dropped it out as expected uh, earlier this week. 
Uh, you know, so there's been a lot of speculation and fun with it on Twitter. People saying that you know he'll be the next spokesman for the for the uh, uh, for Bojangles in the southeast and, and things like that. And uh, so anyway, it's uh, it's kind of fun with when it all kind of fell into his lap, so to speak. Because you know I was looking at it and I was like, man, you know I, I want to try that. I'm just not a big pimento cheese person. I'm not sure if you are or not. You know, everybody always talks about the pimento cheese sandwiches over at Augusta, and I'm just like, you know. I'd rather have a PB&J or something else, but, you know, just not my thing, but I actually I am willing to give it a try. So just because I like that Cajun filet, that thing is killer. But, um, you know, it, it's funny how things can change uh, sort of at the drop of a hat. Um, like what he was talking about with the Tennessee job, you know, that he thought the Tennessee program was a little bit higher. Uh, one thing we didn't get into, and I, I know it's a lot of speculation, is, you know, the, of course, uh, rumored uh, pending sanctions and what they'll be. Right. You know, um, it, with bags of money, and apparently it was enough, you got to look at it from an evidentiary standpoint. For whatever was said in those meetings with the NCAA, and for the specifics of a McDonald's bag cash in it to go public, uh, the way it did, and for from an evidence back to the evidentiary standpoint, for it to be so strong that the chancellor of Tennessee fired the coach on the spot with cause, which means there will be zero in terms of buyout. Now you're talking, well, I, I, for some reason, I want to say it was a fifteen or eighteen million dollar decision. You know, it's got to be pretty solid, concrete evidence. Otherwise, you know, then there's lawsuits for wrongful termination. Then there's negotiations and legal fees and buyouts. Uh, it, it was actually in the statement from the chancellor that there would be no mitigation of the buyout, meaning uh, Coach Pruitt wouldn't get a penny. So you got to figure it, it was pretty harsh. Now, you know, what does Tennessee do? Do they become proactive, you know, and, and ban themselves for two years of bowls? You know, then they can, you know, the whole coaching staff was fired. The recruiting staff was fired. The interns were fired. You know, they can look at the NCAA and say, look, yeah, you know, we get that, that infamous charge, that one that just hurts the most, and that's that lack of institutional control. Anytime that is levied against a school, you know, the hammer's coming in some way, shape, or form. Um, I, I think that gives them a better argument when they look at the NCAA and say, you know, there was a lack of institutional control, but we got rid of that guy. That guy was making bad decisions. We not only got rid of that guy, but we got rid of all the guys and girls that were under him, making those How, and carrying out those bad decisions. So I think right. that's well, really going let me ask you this, though, Eugene. them to not get the death penalty. But see, here's what I understand, and I found this out, and I didn't know this. Not all the coaches got let go that were on that staff. There's still, there's still coaches there. That, that and again, I'm not going to give the names of the coaches and all that because I don't want to give give any any connections I may have to to any information. I hate to do that. I I'm the last guy that likes to say that, but out of respect to those who I who I'm close to, I don't want to do that. But I'll tell you this: is that there's still coaches that are on that staff, and and we do have to bring in a coach that's on the staff for the Berkeley Stags. He's a uh, three state champion over there at Berkeley with 175 wins. Between 1993 and 2010, and in 33 years, in 33 years, he's got five state championships out of 291 
games. We had him. We lost him. So hopefully he'll, he'll dive in right now here in, in a little bit and get in here. And, of course, we're talking about the, uh, the legendary coach up there in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, Berkeley High School. The Stags have uh, brought back home Coach Dr. Jerry ba- Brown and Miss Brown. Of course, she brings the cookies. He'll bring the wins. And everybody is going to be happy in Stag country up there in Monk's Corner. I do want to thank, of course, uh, the principal, Stephen Steele, who's uh, tried to put all this thing uh, together again we're still waiting to get him in here and uh, trying to bring him in with a nice introduction as we like to do with all of our guests that come on a proper introduction if you will but uh, you know back to that now uh, yeah it's if he calls back in Eugene I'll have to interrupt you and we'll we'll bring him in but not all the coaches are, are, are gone there's still one or two coaches who, um, who who are still there so so we'll just have to kind of wait and see you know how how that works out your thoughts on that now there are a couple coaches left. Uh, what what it seemed to be was uh, obviously there was a superstar linebacker. Oh, it looks like coach is on, so let's go ahead and flip it back to him. No, go ahead. I, we're trying to get him in, Eugene. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so it looks like um, uh, we got him in the green room. So it looks like you know they did keep a couple of uh, staff on. Uh, I guess for the transition, maybe they weren't tied into. So you know it could be a, a situation where not everybody knew what was going on. But certainly the way the Tennessee co- uh, president and chancellor handled that was the head coach, uh, that one of the defensive coaches that were tied to some big-time recruits, and, of course, the 10 members, I believe, all together that had to do with the student uh, recruiting staff, the on-field recruiting director, the recruiting coordinator, uh, anybody that was tied in the recruiting department that I could see, some of them that I had been talking to for some kids in the past, uh, all have been let go. So it seems like it was more of the head coach, uh, one or two position coaches, and certainly a, a big chunk of the recruiting staff. Yeah, so, you know, and, and they do that from time to time. It would just it, – it baffled me because they had made such a big deal that they had fired everybody connected to this guy, and that's not even the case. I mean, that, to me, from what I understand, is, is not the way uh, that it was set up to be. And, again, now Pruitt, by the way, uh, you know, and guys like him or anybody else, you'll see they'll land on their feet. Uh, most of the time, and he looks like he's going to be landing in the NFL. Look, let's do this. Let's take a quick one and bring in another big-time legendary coach, and with that, we'll give you stats right out of this amazing introduction that he deserves oh so much on his first appearance here on Southern Sports Central.
want to welcome in here to Southern Sports Central, the legendary coach, Dr. Jerry Brown. He comes in with three state championships over there at Monk's Corner, 175 wins from 1993 to 2010. In 33 years, five state championships, 291 games all in all. And when you look at his time at Berkeley, his times at Batesburg, Leesville, and Wade Hampton, he's now back home where he belongs in the great town of Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Coach, welcome to Southern Sports Central. Thanks, sir. I guess it's a good thing I graduated and got three degrees from Carolina. <laughs> yeah, no, either that or you had to like wrestling. Either one, I figured we were safe with going with wrestling and, and the Gamecocks. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. And you got cookies in town, man. I mean, you know, I can't go without mentioning the cookies first. And I know Coach Steele or, or Principal Steele, the prince who you talked to, uh, bragged about the cookies, Coach. Uh, I know they're excited about you, but it sounds like Miss Brown's uh, getting a lot of uh, accolades in town as well. Yeah, it was a funny story. I told uh, Landy Cox's little boy last night. He's about eight, nine years old. <clears throat> She's made 60,000 cookies and immediately said, well, where'd she get the dough? <laughs> <laughs> That's Hilarious. pretty funny. I like that. Well, Coach, let me ask you, what, what, you know, the fun part about this is, I, you know, I've been around the community for a while. I was the voice of the Green Wave for, for a long time over there when uh, Coach McKissick was there. And then, of course, uh, Coach Call took it over. And then uh, when, when he decided to, to, to take another venture, take another chapter in his life, I, I took another opportunity as well. But, you know, we're very familiar with your name with your reputation and your expectations and everything that you bring back to the low country. But most importantly, for those up in Monk's Corner, you bring back to uh, Berkeley and we're excited about that. But, you know, uh, how's it been since you've been gone since what, 2010, I believe 11 years uh, you've been out and about now coming back home. Yeah, really, you know, about uh, close to a decade to date, but uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I go in the opposite there. It's like I never left because, uh, you know, I designed that whole kind of complex for the football part and athletic part. So it's been been good, though, and, you know, for me, it's personal because uh, it's like a second hometown and we're like family. So, uh, you know, i got a lot of players now and, and coaches that have been here and been with me before, too. And, uh, you know, just trying to get a good staff plus the ones that were here already. And so it's been, it's been personal to me, but it's been uh, – Something good. Actually, we moved here six months ago, and the Lord has a way of directing you where he wants you. And like I said, we moved here six months ago, and a couple of jobs kind of fell through for me because that's not what he wanted. Mm. Well, I can tell you what, they wanted you up there in Monk's Corner. When the, ru- the word came out that one coach was leaving, there was no doubt who they wanted. And I'm talking former players that I've got a pretty good relationship and a bunch of those that played – for you that is still around that Monk's Corner area. But the thing that, that just impressed me, Coach, was uh, those who didn't play for you, those who you raised their sons or, or you had a, a part of having a conversation maybe with their daughters around the school campus about life and educating and, and not just the game, but the game of life, Coach. Uh, yeah, you've had a great impact on such a, a small community in such a big way, Coach. Can you talk a little bit about how that that's kind of directed you back there to your hometown now, back to Monk's Corner? Sure. I, I was talking to our uh, coaches that coached last year and explained that to them. But, you know, uh, our football was going to uh, get to the point where we were going to lead the school into a, a, a good direction and discipline and work ethics. And, again, the school was going to lead the town. I've seen before, I was here before, where the football team changed the whole town in a very positive way, and that's what the town understands. And, uh it's a great football town, really. I know Somerville, Coach McKissick did a good job over there, and Coach Moody 
did a good job here, but, uh, you know, it's a situation where the football kind of takes the lead and then the school and all athletics come around and the town really appreciate what we did. And the town, townspeople, they know me and know what I expect. And I try to explain that to the coaches and to the players too. And uh, they, they got high expectations for us. Now, Coach, uh, is we're live hanging out right now with Coach Dr. Jerry Brown back home there in Berkeley for the Stags as he'll lead them here in the 2021 season coming up. You spent a little bit of time away, Coach, and, and for me, the way I would kind of see it is it's a time that you had a chance to reflect. You worked with a lot of great athletes and coaches and those in the communities at Batesburg, Leesville, as well as Wade Hampton. Some of the things, uh, Coach, that you were able to come back with that maybe not that you had when you left and some things that you kind of learned in your time away that you're looking forward to kind of bringing in this uh, a few things that you've uh, picked up along this path. Again, you know, both those situations made me a much better coach. Uh, take a few players, and, you know, I know against Wade Hampton, we'd have 20-something players and battling May River with 60-something and Dylan with 70-something. And in a lot of ways, just like uh, Moses going through the wilderness, you know, just prepared him to uh, you know, be a better leader, same thing, through uh, hardship sometime. But, like I say, I uh, had to learn a lot of football, and I did. And I Worked on the offensive side as well as defensive side. That really is going to help me too now. But, you know, still the same thing. Small towns, both of those, Batesburg, Leesville, and uh, Wade Hampton and small town. And, you know, football kind of uh, really led the way again. Now, Coach, you know, when I looked at the video that I believe a former alumni put together, and you had some really big names on that when welcoming you back home. One who's a coach up there, one of my favorite places on earth at Green Bay, Wisconsin. Another one, of course, Bruce Ellington, and, and a handful of others that had a part of that and, and had some conversations with you. How, how much did that touch your heart? I mean, I know we, we get that immediate, wow, that's amazing. But for a guy that's got, you know, the championships under your belts and all the success, to see these guys coming back and welcoming you back home, what did a video like that mean to you, Coach? Well, it meant a lot, and those guys, plus you know, a whole lot more, really have uh, it really impacted them in a very positive way for their life. And they took a lot of life lessons and took a lot of skills, and what we uh, taught as far as at Berkeley High School football. You know, I've had eight pros, and that's tremendous. And I've had two guys, Maurice Drayton uh, was one of them from Mutt's Corner, and. Then the other one was from Spring Valley, uh, Mike Grove, who was offensive coordinator for Eagles and is working with uh, Cokes now. But, you know, it's just been a tremendous career. And, like I said, you really understand what football means in a town like this. And a lot of people don't get it, but these town people do and these players and coaches soon will. Just what football can teach you uh, as far as teamwork, which is really what our world needs today. And also, you know, just self-control and just working together as a team, and just uh, respect and good manners, you know, and work ethics, just all those which uh, are slowly sometimes seem like they're slipping away in our country. Football can uh, has a unique – it can football can teach you some things that aren't learned in the classroom, aren't learned at church, and aren't, aren't learned in the home, quite frankly. Hanging out with the new but yet coming back home head football coach over at Berkeley for the SAGs, Coach Dr. Jerry Brown on here with us tonight as uh, we welcome him in here for the first of many visits here with us on Southern Sports Central here tonight. Coach, uh, you kind of gave me a nice segue to ask you this question. A lot has changed in the world, but the one thing that I feel that hasn't changed is the game of football. It's still going to be in between the lines. There's still an end zone on one end, an end zone on the other end, and there's a winner and a loser, right, Coach? I mean, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you've had to maybe change in your years of coaching here 
under your belts in the last three years that you, you know, you kind of said, maybe I've got to give a little bit here, but if I'm going to give it up over here, I've got to put it over there. What are some of the things that you've seen maybe in the last 10 years uh, that you've uh, kind of been out and about and, and at a few schools? Well, I was actually uh, asked that as far as an administrator at Berkeley recently. And again, uh, what I told him was, you know, I've stood my ground because they're just non-negotiables as far as teaching young people manners, respect, work ethics, and how to work together as a team and do what's best for the team, not themselves. And so much about our society now just teaches the reverse of that. So, again, I've just held, held my ground. But at the same time, I'm not you know, just no fuddy-duddy. I, I cut up my guys and have a great time with those teenagers. They text me. They can't get a kick out of me texting at 70 years old. But, you know, I enjoy it and uh, enjoy communicating. And they think I'm crazy, and I really am because I just – you know, I'm a child, and uh, I mean, a young person at, at heart, I guess you say, and they keep me young. But, you know, the day, what's really changed, the only thing that's changed is their focus. It's harder to get uh, young people to focus because they've got so much technology going on and the computer games, and they're losing sleep at night. But the focus is the main thing that you really have to work on, plus, of course, the teamwork and just treating the team all off of this all out of self-glorification that we're in society these days. Now, Coach, a couple of things here that I'm interested in, and, again, some things that have changed is having two national signing days. I'm not a big fan of it. I guess some do, some don't. And you as a coach has been doing this uh, for quite some time with an impressive record. I'm kind of your, your, your thoughts on having two recruiting days, having out there dates, excuse me, there. One's coming up again in February. One just passed in December. And how hard has it been, and, and what do you expect to see out of this upcoming season when it comes to recruiting, the social media aspect, and then just the entire process, if you don't mind kind of talking about some of that with us, Coach? Well, football, again, football certainly hasn't passed me by. I keep up with that pretty well. But recruiting is just, you know, I just don't understand it these days. It's so fast and furious. And, uh, you know, Coach's recommendation and, and what you see on video versus media and all. But, again, it's just uh, – it's just hard to understand sometimes. And, you know, when I tell college coaches this guy can play for you, then you can bank on it. And people like Brad Scott and uh, Dabo and those kind of guys in, in the past, you know, they understand what my word means. But, you know, nowadays it's, uh, you know, it's the camps they have and whatever. And, and who knows? So it, it is very difficult uh, as far as the recruiting aspects of it these day and time. But the bottom line is they got to look at the video and make the mind up themselves. Now, when you look at things like this, Coach, and, again, I have a lot of respect for you, your record, and just the way you you're, – you're, you're like the coach that I played for back in the day. Yeah, you, you mentioned the footy duddies, and, and I used to hear our coach say it all the time. I'm your friend at no point when you walk on this field. I'm your coach from the time you walk on this field to the time you walk off, and I will hold you accountable no matter where we are at whatever time. And you guys are able to see – your kids a lot more now than you did when we were around. Of course, I'm 43 coach. So back in my day, you know, we didn't have that social media. How much, or do you have a guy or are you going to get a guy on staff that's kind of managing these young men and making sure what they put on social media, because they understand that this is the new resume that college coaches are looking at. Well, you know, the, the social media part, particularly during the season, I think you check most colleges don't allow it. And really it's not healthy for them. And, same thing with coaches, same thing with players. I, I think you really got to, you know, just let them know, you know, don't get on there um, because that's just the way of the world. But, of course, all our coaches will really monitor it and, you know, just keep our ear to the ground and, and see. But, you know, I think just out of respect that the players will understand that's not good and do what's best for the team. 
Hanging out right now quickly with the new coach up there in Berkeley for the Stags. He's coming back home to coach the 2021 season, looking to have a big year, and that is Coach Dr. Jerry Brown as we look forward to the season coming up. Coach, great region. You come back to a lot of familiar faces. Matter of fact, some of the guys that are coaching now, you actually have seen them play at some of the high schools that they're coaching at. Coach, uh, how neat is it to see a guy like Coach Denny over at Stratford now as a head coach, and you'll get to see him firsthand here uh, early part of the year, I would imagine. Sure, and they've done a good job. Of course, I miss uh, the old hands. Uh, you know, Chuck Reedy, I was talking to one of his players tonight about him, and you know, Ray Stackley, and uh, so I, I thought I was going to start calling them out unless they get back in it too. And of course, the late you know John McKissick and his wife Ann. But uh, you know, the old the uh, coach Pratt's still over there, and I've talked to him this past week, and uh, looking forward to that. But you know, a lot of uh, young coaches, new coaches are around, and looking forward to getting knowing and seeing their product we put on the field. Now, Coach, i got to ask you the question here, the biggest question of all. Of course, the principal uh, sent this one in per requesting. Uh, who was the better offensive line coach that you've had? Of course, you've got Steven Steele. you got Joey Steele. Who would be the real Steele when it came down to coaching in this battle? Well, you know, sometimes you shouldn't worry about who's the best. There's no point in that. But uh, both of those were really good guys, and uh, I stressed both of them out, and I think both of them, Steven said, he still got brain damage from it. I'm afraid Joey might have it as well because I talked to Joey about as much as I talked to Coach Steele as well. Both great guys. They spell their name different, but a lot of similarities there. Coach, who's the one player in the, I would say, 33 years that you've coached that's really had the biggest impact? And I I know there's so many to name, but but has there been that one player that, you know, maybe he didn't make it to the next level, maybe made it all the way to the final level, Coach, but who's somebody that when you think about your, your time at this point that's had a huge impact on your life? Well, just interesting, you know, the school I just left, Wade Hafton High School, had a young man who's really as good a leader as I've ever had. Um, I, I always give him nicknames. His nickname was Boy Wonder. Bruce Ellington's nickname was Superman, so that tells you a little bit about him. But, you know, still these guys text me back and forth. I've been texting Boy Wonder this week and all. And, uh, you know, it's just special because he's, uh, he's like 6'2", 6'3". Good guy, never came off the field for me. Just tremendous leader, probably his best leader in the I say Bruce and him, they they bring the best out of the rest of the team. Like they really do. Another guy I can't get off without talking about too is Willie Williams. Willie was five foot nine, just like Bruce was five foot nine, and weighed 180 pounds and played 13 years in the NFL. And uh, Willie just had the heart of two lions, and you know, his fingers all twisted up now. And you know, he had some concussions, but he's doing you know doing fine. But just uh, guys like that, just they don't understand. They made me so much better coaching. They made me better a coach than I made them a player. Now, Coach, I'll ask you the same thing when it comes to being a coach. I mean, this is something that I'm sure that some coach along your your years here of coaching and all the championships you've got under your belt now or on your hands there with rings, who was it that, that made that impact to you, Coach? Who, who kind of – you just looked at and you said, you know what, I, I'm going to get into coaching because this is the one coach that, that made a difference in my life and I want to go make a bunch of differences in their lives. Oh, without a doubt, it was my high school coach who was a very successful guy. He and I had almost duplicate records. We had five state championships at three different schools. There's only three people who have done that. He's the other one, and Shell Doolin's the third one. But, you know, my father left the family when I was five, and my mom died when I was 16, and my high school coach, Coach Turbill, I already talked to my mom and said, you know, I'm going to take a special interest in coach, in Jerry, and 
So, I, you know, he just came along beside me, and I tell you, he, the, the best thing I told my staff today was I was under him for a good 10 years as far as a coach, but I remember the place I was and what the car he was driving, everything, when he asked if I wanted to get into coaching, I was 19 years old, and I thought he'd give me a million dollars, and here we are 51 years later to see what happened. But he's passed away, and I miss him every day. But he was a tremendous impact on me, uh, Coach Joe Turbeville. Wow, Coach, I love these are the these are the things that you don't get to read in the papers or see anywhere else, and that is finding out the the part of who you guys really are. Because again, I, I think without a doubt, Coach, not only are are you a winner and your numbers say it on and off the field, but you know, tell me a little bit about uh, the the other side there, the the better half as they like to call it, Miss Brown, because you know I was Coach McKissick's uh, right hand guy for on the sidelines for many years. I should live. And my, where I live, almost right behind Miss McKissick now, with him being called to the big house. But, you know, as many wins she celebrates with you, Miss Brown does, but with some of the tough losses, she's right there with you as well, Coach. How important is it to have that, that first lady standing there with you throughout this entire journey? Yeah, you know, Miss Ann's special. And then Coach Moody's wife, I remember her so much. And she just passed, uh, you know, a couple of years back. And, but, you know, Mary Ames, uh, her brother is actually uh, was All-American in Drew High School, Dean Fable. And he coached at uh, – he was one of my – on my first coaching staff, he coached Turville also, and he went on to be the first coach at Richland Northeast High School and coached there, you know, over a couple of decades in that retirement. She was very aware of – she didn't marry a football coach, but, you know, that's what I went back to. But she uh, and her friends thought there's been nobody better, really. Uh, not many people probably could put up with me, but she's been, you know, very special. And all the kids understand, just like you heard on that video, she's part of the process. And she's a big part of their lives. I think so uh, many young people need to see that marriage and a husband and wife who, who love each other and see that lived out in front of them, too. And, again, I saw that with Coach Turbeville. Uh, so I think that's a big part of, of, you know, sometimes what we're missing in America, too, is just that living, breathing, you know, relationship that those kids need to see. Now, Coach, tell me about these famous cookies because I can ask Coach Steele and everybody else that's played for you, been in the town and all of that, but I want to hear from, from you. What's the history? Where's, where does this stem from, the, this traditional cookies that these guys are so much looking forward to, like the wins that you guys are, are bringing to the year coming up in 2021? And my wife tells a little better, but I think, you know, Coach Steele and Rusty Williams, they'll steal those things from you and down them in a heartbeat. But anyway, Mary Ames told them when I first came here back in the early 90s that her, her theme was, you, you win, I bake. You don't win, I don't bake. And, you know, to a, to a letter, you know, if they don't win, they don't get them. And, you know, like last year during the COVID, you know, it's a tough year for us. And we went four straight weeks, no cookies. At the same time, uh, you know, they get they get three cookies each, and like so over the years, it's a it's a roughly about sixty thousand. You multiply the wins time about two hundred each time, and uh, that's a lot of cookies. And she's got a lot of scars, but it's just a labor of love for her. And those kids know know that. But you know, something just about the wing. We have we go see pros. We went to see pros. They always ask, bring the cookies. They're just so crazy about them because it's such a special time, special moment, and they just enjoy it on Monday afternoon getting those cookies and milk. No doubt. Tradition is what football and sports is all about. And those are the things that you, you motivate these young guys uh, here as we wrap it up here with the coach who is uh, excited to be back in town and those around him are excited to have a back coach, Dr. Jerry Brown. Coach, you know, when I, when I think of Monk's Corner, you know, the thing, it, it remembers, uh, remember the Titans kind of comes to mind when, when the coach goes into that diner, that famous diner, and he, and he looks at all the guys around him. And of course, you know, they're just having kind of that, uh, 
Kool-Aid talk, if you will, Coach. Uh, do, do you guys have that up there in Bucks Corner? I can name a few places that I would recommend you having it. But uh, I can only imagine when you go over there to the local grocery store, the Piggly Wiggly over there, or, or maybe somewhere else that you guys go, that's got to be what's going to be a 10-minute conversation ends up being a 45-minute visit. Oh, yeah, we have, you know, Howard's here, Howard's Restaurant. And uh, a lot of the old school guys, some of them passed away now. Unfortunately, I, I'll go in there every Saturday morning, you know, win or lose, and uh, they're going to give it to you. But I'd rather be on the inside and see what they're going to say and defend myself. Uh, and so that, that's that's kind of the place here where we look at. Interesting mention when we were the Titans, because that's kind of, I told them already, that's kind of uh, required viewing because those, the differences of the people and those two leaders that just took two people to turn that and the football team turned that whole team around during that racial tension time. And that's what I'm talking about. But that's a great video. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite movie of all times. You can ask anybody who, who listens to this show. You can ask our producer, Eugene, that by far is something that even today, here we are, how many years later, we're still dealing with a lot of the same barriers and things that, that you would think we would have already over over your course hurdled but of course the one thing that i will say coach is that sports is something that has always brought us together food and and athletics those are the two guarantees that will stop whatever the madness is to sit down and, and enjoy some good um fellowship if you will coach thank you so much for giving me some time tonight i appreciate it i look forward to actually uh shaking your hand or fist bumping you it depends what time of year i guess or the season that's in but uh i can't wait to catch up with you and get on campus and watch you guys do some big things this year Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, how about that? A feather in the cap for us here is we want to thank not only the legendary coach, Dr. Jerry Brown, we also want to thank uh, the principal, Stephen Steele, who put everything together to get him there. And we want to welcome uh, Coach Dr. Jerry Brown and Ms. Brown into uh, back home, if you will, here to, uh, you know, uh, the the area. So as uh, we look forward to seeing how much they're able to do, and uh, he's going to do some great things on and off the field. I know there's a lot of people excited to have him in here and have him around. We're very excited to have him on the show. We, we will continue to uh, focus on having him back in here because uh, once he gets his hands on everything, I want to hear what he's got to say with some of the players that he's going to be uh, coaching up here in uh, the 2021 year because he's got a lot of guys coming back so it'll be a fun conversation a quick break we'll bring back as we're now going to go from berkeley high school into dorchester county somerville high school we're heading well to the firehouse with the head basketball coach david long right out of this break guys don't go anywhere it is basketball for the next hour Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elvin alongside Eugene Bent. I want to thank the good doctor, Dr. Jerry Brown, head football coach at Berkeley High School, the uh, guy who's brought in a, a lot of conversation and some cookies along with, uh, of course, a lot of expectations as he's now back over there in Monk's Corner. So now back to the lines we go in Somerville High School and into the firehouse with a good friend of mine, David Long. Coach Long is the head basketball coach of the Somerville Green Wave. What's up, Coach? Long time, man. It's been glad to get you back with me. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It has been too long, man. Miss seeing you as much as I used to, but uh, it's an unusual time. All of us are making those adjustments, so thanks for having me. 
Always a pleasure. Now, of course, uh, you know, I spent a good bit of years over there at Somerville, and actually we've done this before, Coach. Uh, during a football game, I'd bring you up at halftime. You and me would chew the fat a little bit, talk a little basketball as the season and football was starting to end and the basketball was starting to begin, and it did that again this year. But unfortunately, you guys were only able to put about five games, I believe, under your belt, maybe a few more. But it all ended uh, somewhere uh, around the 18th of December. You guys haven't seen the gym since then. And, of course, your first practice coming up on the 29th. That's on Friday. Uh, Coach, kind of tell me, man. I know you guys are right now sitting there at 5-1. You swept Cane Bay. You swept Berkeley. Uh, you split one with Wando, but that was a close one. Uh, but you guys look poised to have a really big run with this shortened season, but a, a, a kind of uh, speed dating schedule put together by the Dorchester County, too. Yeah, we got off to a great start. We lost a heartbreaker. Uh, we fouled a three-point shooter over at Wando, and the guy made the free throws. Lost that game, but then we reeled off five in a row. So we were on a bit of a roll, and our schedule had already been adjusted, lost all our holiday tournaments. We had three lined up, and they were all lost. Uh, so we we took a break on December 23rd. That was our last practice. We had a little inter-squad scrimmage and a little lunch after parents provided so we have not been together since December 23. Like you said, Friday does kick us back off for our first practice uh, late in the evening, and we're happy to be back together. It's going to be five weeks, and it's been tough for the guys. Uh, I really feel for them. You know, coaches are usually around a lot longer than the players, and I feel for those guys having to miss uh, miss the season. You know, missing summer is one thing. Fall workouts is another, but cutting into your season is, is tough for these guys to take, especially the seniors and the upperclassmen whose, whose time is limited. But we have to understand uh, all teams, all sports are, are having that. Spring lost nearly their entire season, and football was imp, uh, impacted some. So all, all sports are dealing with it. So that's what we're trying to do, deal with it the best we can and not whine too much about it, just uh, take on what's ahead of us. Hanging out right now over at the Firehouse, Somerville High School, of course, with the head basketball coach of the Varsity Boys, Coach David Long, hangs out with us here. As he mentions, of course, the last time they've seen one another doing a little bit of basketball was December 23rd. They will do it again here coming up on Friday at the 29th. Coach, uh, do you have to wait till 7, or, or they can it be like you know some of the colleges at 12.01? Are you guys going to meet at the Firehouse and, and get after it as soon as the clock strikes 12? Well, actually, we're permitted to go at, at 4.30 is when our when our practice slot is. The girls are after us, but we're at 4.30 on Friday. And, you know, just can't wait to get back into the firehouse and, and see the guys again. I've been able to see a few of them here and there, just running into them uh, in the neighborhood or uh, walk up to the wide, see if they're up there playing, that kind of stuff. So been in touch with them via text, trying to stay stay in touch with them check on them, give them a call, see how they're doing, and encourage them to work on their own. So we've put a lot of trust in our players to work on their own with no practices permitted. The toughest part was, you know, watching other teams' scores come in the paper, online, seeing other teams able to practice. Real difficult for us to, to absorb that. But we trust in our district's leadership that that was the best thing to – get our season in the best thing for our students uh i didn't completely agree with it but i do totally understand it there's really no right answers in all this uh decisions that these people have to make so we took it in stride trusting my guys are out getting it done on their own because we weren't able to do anything together and just looking forward to seeing them friday and and get back after it and try to get ready for this uh abbreviated region schedule condensed abbreviated region schedule and 
followed by a region tournament, which is unusual for the state. So actually excited about that. Yeah, we'll talk about both of those here in just a minute, Coach. But let me ask you, and again, I know you guys had a lot of cats coming back and, and a lot of young talent coming back from what I saw last year firsthand, hanging out with you on the sideline there, on the side of the court there. But, you know, talk about some of these young kids that, that, that are already, I mean, early. I saw some early scores that Wave Sports me and Will Chitty does a great job for you guys putting together some some really impressive, uh, you know, graphics and things like that. But tell me about a lot of the young kids that are coming through with only, I know, six games. But, man, in six games, a lot of impressive numbers uh, out, out of a lot of individuals. Yeah, we're a super young team. Half our club is uh, ninth or tenth graders, so the the future is bright. But before I get into that, I do want to shout out to Will Chitty. You mentioned him. He does an unbelievable job with social media. And he's brought me out of the dark ages and uh, got me uh, putting out some stuff that's uh, not up to his quality by any means, but uh, trying to get something out there. Our kids like to see it. You're trying to promote your program and just get the word out there. So thanks to him, he he does an unbelievable job. But our guys are uh, super young, and we uh, did suffer an injury. Our starting point guard was a sophomore, Matty Four a returner uh, that started last year for us as a freshman. Uh, we lost him in the third game. So we played the last three without him and had another young guy step up. So we're we're super young, excited about the future. Uh, we, we're starting a freshman. Uh, Yannick Smith uh, called up last year in the eighth grade to finish out the season with us and, and performed very well last year. After one game, we put him in the starting lineup. And then we've got some uh, other younger guys in the, uh, on the team in the lineup, Jay Chisholm, is a sophomore that's been starting for us. And then we've got another sophomore starting off the football field. Mike Jenkins has done a great job moving up from B team and a little bit of JV last year. So those guys made big jumps and we've got a couple seniors uh, helping us out too. Uh, we've got Ryan four, who's a returning returning player and got some playing time last year. He's a starter for us and our first guard off the bench uh, is doing a great job for us too, as well. Uh, Lavelle Glenn, uh, number five, he's a transfer from, from Florida uh, last year, sat out a lot of the year and was able to play second semester. So those are kind of our key guys right now. But we're getting contributions from a lot of other people. Uh, we played – after Maddie got injured, we've been playing every kid on the roster, has played in every game, and everybody's making some contributions. So re- really proud of the effort they've made, especially at a young age. We're not a real big team either. So we're having to overcome a lot of obstacles, and they've done that to this point. But we do realize the schedule is going to get tougher. A couple teams in our region are very formidable, and we know uh, region games are always competitive uh, regardless of the talent level or if you think you're better than them or vice versa. So it's it's going to be a four-game battle and then another four-game or two-game battle in the uh, region tournament. We are hanging out at the firehouse with a virtual tour over at Somerville High School with the head basketball coach of the boys over there, Coach David Long, hanging out with us tonight, talking about, you know, the ups and downs and all arounds, Coach. You know, usually you guys have the AAUs and all this, that, and the other. And, of course, y'all were hit early by, you know, having closed seasons and things like that that, that weren't able to, to be used like you guys in the past have. And then as soon as you get the motor running, right, you, you got to stop it again and put it back in the garage. How much have you seen has it affected, do you feel, not just Somerville, but just some of the other schools around our district here in Dorchester County, too, as uh, you, you guys are used to being in great shape because you're able to run together as a team, do a lot of suicides and a lot of uh, 
preseason workouts. That's not been the case this year because of different stipulations. Coach, your thoughts uh, coming back after another intensive break uh, in between last time and this time? Well, it has certainly negative impacted the quality of ball in the area. I've watched a lot of film and obviously watched our games, and guys aren't quite as sharp. And one of the main things that's lacking is uh, the the camaraderie or the knowing where the other guy's going to be, the opportunity to spend all summer together. Uh, well, actually, not quite all summer, but all of June. We normally get in about 20 practices, scrimmage about 20 times. So those guys start to get a feel for what's coming back, where guys are going to be on the court, what guys are going to do, what their strengths and weaknesses are, what you got to do to help your teammate. We, we missed out on all that. And then in the fall, uh, there's no scrimmages, but we are allowed to practice uh, several times, and we missed out on that uh, due to the call of the high school league, which probably was the right thing. So they, they've missed out on the the meshing and the melding together that you normally have that's so important in basketball. So I think it's negatively impacted all the teams in the state and probably us a little bit more along with Fort D and AR because we've, we've missed out the last five weeks not even being able to practice. And uh, a couple teams in my region have been able to play a few more games and been able to practice uh, quite a bit more than us. So we've got a lot to overcome. But uh, I trust my guys that put in the time and the effort and the work to stay in shape and continue to work on their game and their skills. And I'm excited to see uh, where where they are on Friday. I think our number one hurdle will be conditioning because that's not something guys love to work on. So that'll be a big hurdle to overcome and then just try to get back to what we, we were doing before the break. Now, Coach, you mentioned you had a couple of seniors on your roster. You've got a few juniors, I would believe, as well. But with that, let me ask you, You've been coaching for a long time. You've been at multiple places where you've done some really impressive things, uh, not just at Somerville, but around the area and even growing up in this in the game as well, Coach. Recruiting this year is by far the biggest, toughest, most, uh, I think, hardest thing for any coach to do, not just football, because a lot of times we hear how tough the football coaches have. Well, basketball, there's, there's a lot less numbers on the rosters than there in football and any other sport, really, honestly. I mean, you guys – are limited on, on how many you can put on the roster in high school and in college, and you see it in the NBA. How hard has it been for you, Coach, to get your two seniors recognized? And let's just be honest, they're not only looking at the seniors, they're starting to shut the doors on this class of 22 that's the junior class already, as you see uh, early here in, in or late January. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. But uh, to be honest, you know, during the season – uh, the the college coaches, they don't get out much. They've got an opportunity to see so many more kids on the AAU circuit, and most of our guys were able to play some AAU ball, so they've got a little exposure. But what we typically do for our seniors that want to play at the next level, we're reaching out to schools uh, in the area, uh, in the southeastern part of the United States, that we think they can play at their level. And we reach out to those guys, touch base with them, send them some highlights, ask them if they'd like some full game film, try to communicate with these coaches and tell them what kind of kids they are because there's a lot more that goes into these college coaches, what they want than just the talent, especially at the D2 or the D3 or the community college, the junior college, those things. They're looking for guys that are well-rounded, can not only play, but they don't have to worry about their grades, they're good citizens off the court, and they're solid, solid young men. 
that that's what those uh, smaller schools are looking for. And we and we have those kind of guys in our program. And we got a couple potential uh, bigger school candidates that are younger. But right now, our older guys are probably looking at smaller schools, and we're we're on the phones with my assistant. We're we're contacting uh, college coaches and trying to get film in front of them and and try to get in their ear and just make them attractive. And then uh, then it'll be up to them to uh, get with the student athlete and see if they can fit together. Now, coach, you've been putting in a lot of work and a lot of years over there at Somerville. I've watched, watched you in the end zone during football season. You know, doing whatever you can to, to help the, the, the course administration and, and just being around the students any way you can, all the way to coaching there on, those side, there on the court side. Give me a little bit before we talk about the schedule, which we'll do right after this, but, but give me a little bit of history on uh, the, the coach David Long, about where you came from and how long you've been over there at Somerville. And, of course, uh, you know, I know a lot of these answers, but for a lot of our listeners, uh, let's get a little bio out of you, Coach. Well, I'm in my ninth school year at Somerville. Uh, came here from Wilmington, North Carolina, and uh, Coach Greg Elliott was uh, gracious enough to, uh, you know, meet with me, and we talked about basketball and uh, talked about possible opportunities at the school, and he welcomed me onto the staff. So I'm really forever grateful to him. He's taught me a lot, but uh, the main thing he did for me was give me an opportunity to be part of a program when I moved to the area somewhat unexpectedly. My wife's job moved her to the Charleston area, so I had to pick up and leave where I was and kind of had to start over. I substituted there at the school the first year, and after one year doing that, I was fortunate enough to get a PE position. So I get to know the kids uh, their freshman year, pretty much all freshmen. So I really like getting to know the kids as freshmen and watch them develop, whether they play in ball or not, and and grow into juniors and seniors and, and see how they develop. But uh, also coached tennis at Somerville for a long time. Both of my uh, children, a boy and a girl, both played there. And when I came into Somerville, I was willing to coach and do anything. Uh, so to make myself valuable, I was fortunate enough to, to get that PE job and, and be with Greg. And then when Greg uh, stepped down, I was uh, fortunate enough to get that position. So I uh, really have enjoyed that, uh, being the head coach. This is my fifth year. Before that, like I said, Wilmington, North Carolina, I was at Laney High School. Had a couple other jobs in the area at a middle school and Topsville High School. Uh, so I've been in education for about 12 or 13 years. I'm a, I'm a second career teacher and coach. Uh, had a long career in the building industry, working for Georgia Pacific, and then had my own building company in Wilmington. But uh, my wife's job was good, and I was able to kind of pitch that to do what I wanted. So threw it all away and uh, went as a volunteer coach at Topsville High School, became the assistant librarian with my first job. Uh, so it's been a it's been a long journey, but I'm doing what I love, and I'm I'm grateful that uh, my wife was in a situation where I could kind of throw away what I'd put 23 years into and really do what I've always wanted to do and and love to do, which is coach basketball and be around young people and try to help these young guys uh, make those decisions uh, that'll lead them in the right direction, whether it's basketball-wise, whether it's health-wise, academically in the community. All those things are what what drives me to be a basketball coach and why I think sports is so important because we can reach these young guys in so many other ways besides just the sport that we're coaching them in. And not to mention, guys, I've watched this same coach, and, of course, we shout out to Miss Long. She's the biggest cheerleader in all this thing and probably the backbone of this whole process 
as we just talked to uh, Coach Brown about his wife, we got to give a shout out to Coach Long and his wife because, again, you know, that's what it takes as a strong spouse to get through uh, a coaching season, whether you win them all or, or not. But I'll tell you the one thing that I miss, Coach, that you do, and that's taking your kids to the, to the schools, you know, the elementary schools or, or some of the other schools around our community where I've seen – you know, those boys in the hallways with them. And I know those kids are missing because a lot of virtual learning, but we talk a lot about the things that we miss. And to me, you know, those are the things that, you know, we'll win and lose ball games. That's part of the sport, but it's the, it's the impact that we have off the courts or off the fields that, that you can't, you can't make up that time. And I think that's some of the things that, you know, to me, this time of year, I'm used to seeing a lot of pitchers with a lot of high five Fridays. And uh, we're not seeing that this year with your basketball team. Yeah, that's a big part uh, that we're missing out on. We we really do enjoy going to the elementary schools and splitting up half to the car rider line, half to the bus rider line, then get in the hallways and the kids love it. We've got some wonderful pictures. The kids being so excited and our and our players get a lot out of that as well. And typically when we do that, I hear from the administration and teachers from those schools how much they enjoyed it and what it meant to them. So that that's a wonderful thing and we're missing out on that kind of stuff right now not being able to, to be around people and be close and touch people and do stuff like that. It's really ended the opportunities to get out there in the community and do things, walk in parades, just get out in their community, volunteer work, or going to these elementary schools. So that that's a sad part of it, too, that goes along with the missing practice time and games. So, But it's, it's, it's the world we live in right now. And I have to remember what I tell my guys is you, you take on what's given to you. Uh, you you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. You just do do the best you can under the circumstances. And I feel terrible for the guys. I mean, they're going through this unprecedented time. Tough times come to everybody, but what they're having to deal with is just something they really shouldn't have to at such a young age. But the flip side of that is, it's a dress rehearsal for life, this high school and basketball. It prepares you for the things you're going to face down the road. So I'm always trying to correlate basketball to life, and this really brings it to the forefront. A little, little more of a severe example than I would like to use to help these guys uh, grow and mature, but that's what we're dealing with, and that's what everybody in athletics is dealing with, and that's what everybody in the world's dealing with. So we'll tackle it head on and do the best we can. Hanging out, wrapping it up here with the coach over there at the firehouse from Somerville High School, Coach David Long. He is the varsity boys basketball coach. And, Coach, there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel because at 430, coming up this Friday, you guys will get a chance to run some suicides and maybe take a few shots around the gym. But I know on the 20 – excuse me, on the 6th day of February, you guys are going to be hosting Stahl. Then you go to West Ashley. Then you go to Ashley Ridge. And then you're home – against that rival team, the Fort Dorchester Patriots. That seems uh, – again, clarify, are they opening the gyms, have you heard, or, or what type of regulations uh, are, are they putting out when uh, the season does kick off on the 6th? Well, we have not made an official announcement, but what it's sounding like we're leaning toward is a, is a limited uh, spectator, and parents will have the first option to purchase tickets. I'm not sure if it's going to be as limited as we were before. We started out with no fans. Then we went to two tickets per player, both home and team, so they could uh, allow their parents in. I think we'll at least have that, and hopefully we're going to have a few more general admission tickets to be sold. But that decision has not been finalized. It's uh, 
still under um, under discussion, but that's kind of what I'm hearing might be happening. But we really don't know till it is officially announced, and even then, things can change uh, one day to the next in what we're dealing with. When we get back on the court on the sixth, it's play one day, practice, play, practice, play all the way through. We'll have one day of preparation for the second, third, and fourth game couple days off and then kick off that tournament that following week so it's going to come fast uh we're, we're excited about friday but we've got a lot to get in uh like you said conditioning suicides are going to have to be part of it we, we've got to get back in shape but we got to uh uh knock the rust off those skills uh work on our sets work on what we're trying to do defensively we had plans to put in a lot more this year throughout the season as we approach the region schedule but uh that is not going to happen we're going to have to keep things simple kind of keep what we've been doing and just try to clean that up and and go out there and play ball and 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 see what happens i'm excited about this group i think we can do well in the region but there's no guarantees anybody can beat anybody in our region and it's going to come so fast and after all this time off really it's a wide open race uh what consensus is fort d probably is the uh the favorite in the region, but I know West Ashley's good. AR is always a battle for us, and and Stahl, with their aggressive physical play, can beat anybody on any night. So it's going to be a a good battle to see who's going to earn those two playoff seeds this year, which is less than last year. They've cut around on the playoffs, so each region is only going to get two teams. So finishing one and two is going to be critical if you want to extend your season. Now, Coach, final things as we wrap it up here with the head coach from Somerville High School. He is the varsity head coach of the uh, the boys team over there. He's coming to us live from the firehouse as a virtual tour, if you will, here on Southern Sports Central, focusing on some high school basketball here tonight. Coach, there's four games. And, and again, after these four games, you guys will play in, in I guess, a, a small tournament or uh, something in that format. Now, is there a bye for the first team? Or does how, how does it go? Is everybody here going to get thrown back in it? For a uh, for a tournament to figure out who's number one and two. Well, it's a very interesting tournament format uh, that the ads have come up with. If a team in those four regular season games goes undefeated, they're going to be automatically awarded the number one seed and will not participate in the tournament. That's good and bad. I'd like to play in a tournament. I want our kids to have a chance to play for a championship, but to be four and zero and to have the number one seed locked up probably outweighs that also you know no chance of getting hurt less chance of exposure avoiding the shutdown so that's kind of good and bad there so if a team goes four and oh they'll be the number one seed and will not participate in the tournament so we'll have that'll leave four teams so it'll be a standard one verse four two verse three uh tournament single elimination if a team does not go undefeated then all five teams will play in the region tournament so on that monday night there'll be the four or five matchup that'll get it down to four teams and then it'll be the four or five winner versus the one seed and the two versus the three on tuesday night and then on that wednesday will be the championship game and the girls are following the same format we don't know where we're playing we don't know if it's a central location we don't know if they're going to let the higher seed host we still have to iron out all those details. So, But that's what we're used to. We're kind of one day at the time. I've changed our schedule and our practice plans and practice gym times, you know, dozens of times. But uh, that's just what we're doing. And the ADs are working hard with the principals to try to 
make it happen for our kids and get as much in as we can, regardless of how much rearranging and planning and changing we have to go through. We want to do that, uh, whatever we can to get these kids back on the court. Final question, coach. And I saw this on uh, y'all's media page. It kind of, and, and maybe I saw the JV mixed up with diversity, but it, it looked like to me, uh, that, uh, the, the boys will play on, uh, at home. And then the girls, where they go to wherever you guys are, whoever you're playing against, where they go on the road. How, how does that schedule work? And are they well, same as normal? That, that was one of the original plans. That that was a plan we had lined up, but then when Charleston right. County uh, was not going to allow them to play uh, sub-varsity contests, we rearranged it again. So we're back to the normal varsity boys and varsity girls playing together at 6 and 7.30 at the same site. The JV gotcha. and B teams completely rearranged to play on Saturdays uh, in, a, in a multi-game format. So the schedule – is back to the normal boys and girls playing same night, same location. Gotcha, Coach. Man, I am going to see you guys play, if not once, a few good times. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you. And, again, as always, uh, for you to jump back in here, this is a place that you've called home for many years, and it doesn't matter, you know, where I stand or where I sit in a case like tonight, man. I want you to come on and Next time we come on, I want you to bring a couple of your ball players with us because we are going to focus in the month of February on high school basketball. This is a big focus for us going forward this year, especially with the season and the epidemic, the pandemic and everything going on. We want to give your athletes uh, and all the athletes around the low country, a, a lot of exposure, of course, around the state. But uh, coach, thanks again for your time. And uh, please uh, reach out to Ms. Long there and tell her, thanks for letting us have you for 30 minutes. I'll do that. And uh, Richie, I appreciate you having me on and appreciate all the work you do to bring some exposure to our, to our young athletes and in sports in general. So thank you for that. You got it, coach. God bless you. Take care and stay safe. All right. Thank you, Richie. No. All right. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, quick break. When we come back, the bus is busy tonight. We went from Berkeley County from Monk's corner to Somerville. Now we stay on the road because we're heading to where oh we're going to the creek that's right coming up next coach blake brown of the well the gators is going to hang out with us for a few let's uh take a break set it up bring them in and talk some gator basketball as these guys have a loaded schedule coming up as they'll play tomorrow night it looks like against berkeley how cool is that we'll talk about that and much more hour two is done hour three right after this guys don't go anywhere
Welcome back, everybody. Hour three is upon us here on Southern Sports Central. I'm Rich Yelvin alongside Eugene Vint. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at SO Sports Central and on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. You hear the Florida Gator music there in the background? Well, we're not talking to the Florida Gators, but we are talking to the Goose Creek Gators with head coach Blake Hall. Coach Hall, how's it going on a beautiful Wednesday night here in the Low Country? We're doing well, Richie. Thank you for having us. And it's a pleasure. I tell you what, we are focused, we are devoted, and we are, of course, uh, 100% on board with the high school basketball going forward uh, from uh, this week until you guys uh, wrap up the season. So hopefully we can get some of your players on. You guys keep winning. As you probably heard, actually, you were listening to Coach Long, the head coach over there at Somerville. Uh, We had, of course, uh, this past week, uh, we had the uh, Fort Dorchester basketball coach. So we are dedicated to you guys. We want to get all that we can and, and at least give not only yourself, Coach, but a lot of your players, uh, some airtime here on the air because, again, this is a very unusual hey, season as we saw as well. Hey, Richie, I want to commend you on that. You know, a lot of times a lot of the local radios go from football season, they drag that out, and then they skip over basketball and it's right into baseball season. So I commend you guys for, for giving some publication to the uh, basketball guys and the basketball players here in the low country. Well, we appreciate you guys opening your doors, your hearts, and the opportunities because, again, I know these are your guys, and for the girls, coaches, they're your girls. And, and again, y'all don't just trust anybody to talk to them. And my goal here, Coach, and, and, and again, this is our first, I believe, opportunity to have you on, and, and it means a lot to get you in here with us and, and look forward to many more of these. It, it's to not only get people to get to – to hear you guys, but to hear from you guys. Because, again, we can watch you on TV. I can read, you know, you guys in the newspaper. And like I say in our churches, man, I don't need you to – don't read me the Bible. Man, teach me the Bible. So what I want you guys to do and what you'll do here for the next 30 minutes is you're going to teach me about Goose Creek basketball. You're going to teach me about, you know, who is Blake Hall. I know your resume, just like we just heard from a coach right before you, very impressive. It's a testimony that has landed you here with us tonight. So, uh, as I'll ask you, uh, as I ask the other coach, uh, give me that backbone. Give me that testimony in your resume, Coach. Uh, what landed you here on our show tonight? But most importantly, what landed you over there at uh, Goose Creek with a uh, an impressive 5-0 and schedule, I believe, right now, beating Stahl, Ashley Ridge, and uh, West Ashley? Uh, Richie, it's really not about me. I, I'm a Berkeley County boy, born and raised, uh, went away for a few years, came back uh, after coaching at the Sizzle for a few years, and was fortunate enough to, to be in Charleston County for one, one school year and been at Goose Creek for the last nine. Um, but you're just fortunate. You know, I think as an educator, you're fortunate to be involved with young people's lives. And if you're in it for the right reasons, it's all about them and, and not about you. And, uh, uh, that's really, really the avenue I teach through is basketball, and that's, that's really the sum of everything. Uh, resume-wise, uh, I've got the degree to be able to teach, and you know I've got the experience in basketball to, to get the job, and that's that's really all about me. I really care to talk about, it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I love it, man. When you get the coaches in here, and they, they get, but coach, I got to be honest with you, man. When I told people, and, and I do, I brag about the guys, and, and our and our even our graphics department, we've amped it up twenty-one. We tried to go big with you guys this year. And, of course, the basketball coaches are getting the love first. I'm getting football coaches sending me text messages going, where was this at in September? I said, well, hang tight. We're going to get to you guys next. Usually the basketball guys, like you said, are the guys that are left off a lot of that special logos and things like that. But you guys got a great – you guys got a great department in this category as well. I noticed, you know, it seemed like it carried with football and now it's carrying in basketball. But 
you know, that's kind of the trend now, Coach. Not only do you have to be good on the field, you got to be good in social media, man. And your media guys and girls are, are a huge part of getting that exposure for a lot of these athletes. Coach, tell me your thoughts when it comes to social media and how much do you have the conversation with your ballers there on and off the court about hitting that send button and when not to hit it? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a new age, to be honest with you. I really, you know, I saw somebody post earlier in the day, I think it was one of the news outlets, but, you know, I think high schools should have an elective about social media, uh, social media, of course. Um, you know, it's really a online resume of how you promote yourself. And, you know, uh, I've had different people tell me about job interviews themselves that they've gone into and somebody's printed out every social media post they've had and uh, lay that in front of them and say, can, can you explain this? So, I mean, it's really, I don't think young people grasp the significance of everything they put out there on the Internet, um, but it's something that we constantly talk to them about because um, it's going to affect them in some way, shape, or form over the years, and it could be either positive or negative. And, and we try to be the example. It's not just about what we say, but it's about what we do, and hopefully we set a good example for young people in our, in our school and in our organization. Hanging out over at the creek right now, of course, Goose Creek High School and the gym over there with uh, their head basketball coach on the varsity side for the boys, Coach Blake Hall, hanging out with us, talking some basketball. Coach, uh, you know, you you just like a lot of coaches, man. I tell you what, the best dress coaches are basketball coaches. I mean, and I always – it's almost like you're watching a shoe contest to some degree because I watch a lot of you guys with the suits and the ties. And, you know, I gave Coach McElveen uh, a hard time last week about – you know, wearing his gaiters on the, on the side of the court. And I'm thinking, man, this is the, that's the fun part about it, though. But it seems like the fraternity of, of coaches here in the low country in high school basketball, the respect that I know Coach Long has for you, and, and I know you have for Coach Long over at Somerville, and it, and it carries over to, like I mentioned, Fort Dorchester. It carries over to Berkeley and so on and so forth. You know, uh, how, how much have you guys had conversations throughout this pandemic? Because, again, you know, I get that why Dorchester County has it practice or played y'all schedule was affected because they couldn't practice and play because that was the transition from when y'all would have played that schedule until what you're be kicking off here tomorrow night I think against Berkeley where you finally get into region play yeah you know all of us is a small community especially the basketball community here in Charleston whether it's at the high school level or travel ball everybody kind of knows everybody um, so there's constant dialogue there um, and I think everybody from, from players to educators to coaches to administrators, everybody's had a frustrating year trying to adapt to things day by day or week by week. Um, and I, I think everybody really is, is focused on what's best for the kids. You know, I think our administrators are trying to do their best to, to create as many experiences this year for kids so that they have memories they can take on after high school. Um, and I think that should be, you know, all of our mission, you know, that's kind of something I've been advocating when I spoke to our athletic director here at Goose Creek is just trying to make the most experiences uh, for the young people. Cause you know, you and I aren't too far away from it, but hopefully we all can remember those senior years of high school and how, how special they were, whether it's a win or loss or, you know, a trip somewhere or a talk in a locker room, you remember those memories for a lifetime and, and that's what it should really be about. That should be the last thing we do. We should really cross, you know, every option off the list before we go to canceling games. And I think our administrators did their best. And luckily in our region, we're going to have, you know, we're hoping and keeping our fingers crossed to have eight games here uh, where we play everybody twice like a normal region slate. 
Um, so we're, we're hoping to, that, that it comes to fruition, but Tom, we're just worrying about things we can control. Hanging out, Coach Blake Hall. He is the head basketball coach of the Varsity Boys over there at Goose Creek High School over there, of course, in Goose Creek, South Carolina, home of the Gators, where they're sitting 5-0. and They'll play that sixth game coming up tomorrow night against Berkeley. They hit the road, by the way. Coach, there's three things that come to mind for me as a kid that played high school sports. And, you know, while I played college sports, and it was a, a big part of a lot of memories and things, but nothing like playing high school sports because of the pep rallies. I mean, these kids haven't had a pep rally. This is a senior class. Why we look at what happened to the class last year, at least most of those kids got pep rallies. And it's not a big thing until you don't have it, by the way. You look at the bus rides. I mean, the conversations, the relationships that are built on bus rides, even on the losses, man, it's a quiet feeling, but it's it's a brotherhood or a sisterhood that you're building on the way back from, from what could have been a very tragic loss that could have ended the season or maybe been that wake-up call that you need. And then finally, the home games. You know, it's not the same when you don't have a full house. I mean, the one thing I'm going to say about the Gators, like I'll say in a lot of other venues around the low country, is that you guys show up, but you show out, and it makes it a very big deal. It's like playing Seattle without fans in the NFL. It's just another stadium. But you put that 12th man in there, it's a big deal. Coach, tell us a little bit about how not having – you know, uh, th- that normalcy, if you will, affects all three of those facets of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been different. You know, through the tri-counties, every every district's had a little bit of a different regulation on it. We've been fortunate to be a, be allowed to have a few fans um, in attendance the first part of the year, even though it's a small percentage. Uh, we believe it, you know, something that the kids enjoy. Um, but like you said, I mean, it's, it's not quite the normal experience, but – the last year hasn't been either. Um, so, you know, really just, you know, trying to appreciate you know, where your feet are that day is something we've really preached to our young people. You know, like every practice, every bus ride, every talk, every meeting um, is valuable. You know, it's, it's time that we get together, um, whether it's good, bad, whatever it is, we're just going to appreciate those moments and try to make the most out of them and try to grow and, and uh, give and be grateful for all of those things. So that's really what our focus has been. And I, I really feel for like the Dorchester counties, like coach long and those guys who haven't been able to have any fans and have been really limited on the practices they've been able to have um, because those young people are missing out on those experiences, let alone the games, but just the practices and the meetings and the time together, which is so valuable. And all of us coaches know that's, that's the times we really, really love and we cherish um, and the players will realize that when the times have gone, they just they can't see the picture while they're in it right now. But talking some basketball here on Southern Sports Central as we've turned to the basketball season here on the show here, Goose Creek's basketball head varsity coach is Blake Hall. He's sitting there waiting for Region Play to tip off tomorrow night. I know you guys are eager to get there. You know, when, when you kind of look at it, and it's definitely not only a strange season for high school basketball. I had. Mike Yuva, he's a guy that works for Watch Fox over there in Columbia. We talked about this is a weird year even for, for college basketball. For you guys that are, that are head coaches, man, you're also very passionate about your college basketball, and you don't see Duke, North Carolina, or Kentucky in the top 25. If that doesn't tell you we're in a pandemic, I don't know what does, Coach. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can look at it many different ways, you know. I mean, you know, certain people are taking care of what they can, you know, and and we talk about our players. There's some things in your control, and there's some things aren't. You know, can we can we sacrifice? You know, and limit who we interact with for the next month or so. Can we really kind of isolate ourselves 
within our small group and, and hopefully uh, have no, no, you know, outbreak or any positive tests, you know, and that's really, really what it's been, you know, some of the, some people just, you know, unfortunately don't want to sacrifice, you know, maybe who they interact with or, you know, family members and some stuff's out of, out of their control, but nevertheless, you know, you just, you, you, you're trying to just focus on the things in your life you control to keep your sanity. You know, if you worry about the things that, you know, outside of our control, all of us would go crazy. And, and that's really what we've been preaching here at Goose Creek. And we're hoping to have, like you said, start up tomorrow night at Berkeley and, and hopefully get all eight games in for region play. Talk about controlling the controllables here tonight on Southern Sports Central. And, again, we talk about isolating the outbreak. Coach, you guys at Berkeley County has done a great job with, with this whole thing. I mean, to be honest with you, you guys have had you know, your numbers just alone on that side of the interstate have been almost uh, absent across not only in, in basketball, but it happened in, in football. And I got to give a tip of the cap to you as a coach and, and your administration, your athletic directors, and, and just overall, because something has to be said day in and day out to these kids. What are you telling them? Are, are you saying, look, babe, the future realistically isn't in my hands. It's in your hands. Who do you go out in contact with as an individual? Are those type of conversations that you guys are having with your young players before they leave your presence and, between the time they leave and get back to you? Well, I mean, it's, it's really in all of our hands. You know, if I would go and have dinner with my wife and a couple this weekend and, you know, one of them are positive, then I ruin the season for all my kids. So all of us can control it. Um, it's just really can we sacrifice, you know, really the basketball season's got another month. If you're lucky, a month and a half to go. Um, really, can you, can you sacrifice, you know, your interactions? Can you sacrifice who you hang around with? Can you – even even on our, in our own program, telling my varsity guys, hey, we got to stay away from the JV guys. We got to stay away from the B team guys in case something happens with one of those squads. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, life with anything's about sacrifice, and that's really what we're we're trying to say. Hey, can you sacrifice some of the things you want to do so that we can extend our year and make the most out of this year, so you can have some memories that you can take away. Hanging out, Blake. Hall, he is the head basketball coach over at Goose Creek High School, over in Goose Creek, South Carolina. The Gators are looking to get a good run here in the playoffs, and they've got a good general to make it happen here. As Coach Hall's joining us here for the next few more minutes, or a few minutes here going forward here. Coach, let's talk about this team coming up. I mean, you guys are uh, very impressive here coming in at 5-0, like we keep saying. But now it, this is it. This is where these guys are going to have to understand that those were warm-up games in more ways than one because the new system, very similar to the – to the fall sports is they're only taking the top two. So every game is a playoff game. Coach, talk to me about the schedule. Mention some of these big names, some of your big uh, shooters and, and some of those impact players that you've got flying around the court uh, as early as tomorrow afternoon. You know, I'm fortunate. You know, I've had a bunch of seniors that have taken their legs uh, over their underclassmen years from junior to sophomore year, and they've kind of paid the price. And, and been through experiences that now they're 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 able to kind of step into these situations and be a little bit acclimated and, and be comfortable and now be voices to some of our underclassmen. So we've got you know seniors like Uturi Bolton, Xavier Bennett, Tejon Simmons, Breon Steele, uh, Chris Thompson, um, Junior Brabham. You know six seniors right there who have we've seen come up most of them from sixth grade on. Um, so it's been fun watching the maturity young men and now they're taking ownership of the program and, and really try to be voices and examples to our juniors and sophomores on the team. Um, so it's, it's really rewarding that, you know, as a coach, as you know, 
to be able to see some some young people take ownership and kind of be the voices. And it's not your voice always doing the preaching or setting the example. Some of those upperclassmen can do that. And, and that's really been the, the success we found early. And, and that'll really be indicative of, of the success we find later in the years, whether they can continue to lead and continue to be the example and, and be the voice in the locker room that we need them to be. Wrapping it up here with the head basketball coach, Blake Hall of the Goose Creek Gators, as he, of course, is looking to take this varsity basketball team to the next level. Coach, you know, when, when you kind of put everything in perspective here and, and you kind of, I guess, put all together, what are, what are some of the things that you're hoping to kind of, uh, I, I would say, check off as you get this season, you know, in and, and completed? I believe that would be number one, is to see this season have a finish line and get to that finish line, Coach. But what are some of the goals that you have set going into this very weird, unusual season that you guys are looking at going forward? You know, to be honest with you, Richie, I just I want to do my best job sweeping the floor tomorrow morning before our shoot around, and I want our shoot around to be the best best mini practice we have before the game tomorrow night. And we try to keep it pretty simple, and you know, we just try to grow and get better every day and the little things. And we truly believe that the rest will take care of ourselves if we do the stuff you know right in front of us um, to the best of our ability. No doubt, Coach. I won't keep you till, uh, of course, uh, Miss Hall. Of course, I always call. Those are the ladies that, that run that operation. You guys, uh, you know, as much as I love watching you coaches win, and, and I feel for you when you lose, it's the women that you go home to that, that have got to hit that highs and lows with you. And I always say, you find a good coach, you find an incredible wife waiting for him when he gets off the court or off the field. But uh, I, I want to thank her for all that she gives us behind the scenes so that you can do what you do in, in so many young people's lives. And like I said, Coach, uh, the door is open. Uh, for you and your players to come back on and let's talk some basketball. I've got your schedule in front of me, so I will uh, be making a trip over to Goose Creek. I'm going to, you know, come see you at your gym uh, and and watch what you guys do. And, of course, I'm sure I'll see you deep in the playoffs as well. But uh, thank you so much for for coming on tonight. And and thank you so much for not only what you've done at Goose Creek, and I know you didn't want to give a lot of accolades to yourself, Coach, but you and I both know you've done an incredible job everywhere you've gone, and it started, you know, that very first day that you decided to be an influence and an impact in the community as a coach and many more as a mentor, and I appreciate all that you've given us. Thank you, Richie. I appreciate everything you do to to promote basketball. It's great to hear from you, and and please give me a call anytime. Happy to talk hoops. You got it, buddy. God bless you. Good luck tomorrow night. We'll talk to you hopefully maybe as early as next week, Coach. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, guys, there you go. Not one but two basketball coaches here on a shoot-around Wednesday night. Eugene, come on in here with me, buddy. We've got about eight minutes before we go to break, and the bus has got a little bit of a ride now because we're at Goose Creek. We're going to be heading over uh, to the – we're going out of state right now because uh, we've got the bus driver heading up to Delaware to Delmore High School with Coach Cox, the assistant football coach up there. Now, Delaware is not playing in the fall because they're playing right now. They're in week number four. This team is already 3-0 and with a 13-game season. No fall games were taking place. Now, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to Coach Cox as he's excited to get in here with us. Uh, they did start playing on the 12th of January. Uh, and as I mentioned, they've already beaten Laurel High School 50-48, to Indian River 59-47, and, uh, I, again, I'm trying to see this third team. They've beaten 60 to 51. Looks a lot like the Big 12 over there, man. A lot of scores uh, on both sides of the ball, but they are scoring the most points as they're 3-0. and But 
you know, Eugene, we heard from two great coaches, Coach Blake Hall, who, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, he's got some championships under his belt as well. I think he came from North Charleston. And, I, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm going to let him give the accolades themselves because, uh, again, I love the fact that he made it about the kids. We had David Long in from Somerville. Same thing, all about the kids. We had on two coaches on Monday. Excuse me. I said last week, but it was on Monday that we had the coach from uh, – Fort Norchester, Coach McElveen, same thing. He talked about control the controllables. All three of these coaches saying the same thing. And then, of course, that uh, big-time all-around coach over there at Oceanside who little did some know he played at the college Charleston. You know, I mean, so so much experience that we talk about in football, but the rich history in the low country on uh, hoops in the high school level is just as good. Yeah, no doubt. I was, uh, sorry about that. We just had something come across the wire. The young man from, uh, and I was trying to look it up. I couldn't remember the uh, private school there in Monk's Corner. Uh, the young man that plays quarterback and linebacker and athlete, six four guy. Mm-hmm. I think you remember. Anyway, he just uh, received a PWO offer for the University of South Carolina. So congrats to that young man. Um, you know, a lot of people say if you, you know you go to a smaller school or a schizo school or eight man football or or 1A or 2A or whatever, you know, you're not going to get a chance to make it. But, uh, you know, let your let your play speak for itself. You know, do all you can do. Control what you can control. Uh, ball out and things will happen. And uh, congrats to the young, young man. I was just uh, – it came across when we were checking on our trip to Delaware, and I just wanted to, to share that. I know you got a chance to, uh, to meet the young man during the senior bowl. Um, I just was trying to do my own research because I couldn't remember the sure. name of his school. Sure. Uh, small private school there in Mark's Corner, but um, you know it is it is cool. You know that that uh, coach you know kind of sends heartfelt condolences in a way uh, to the guys over in uh, Dorchester County. You hadn't been able to see their kids, hadn't been able to practice, get together. Because he's right, man. I remember there's so many times that, like going through a football season. You remember the games, you really do. Uh, there are certain games that stick out. You know that either you won, you lost, or it was close. Maybe there was a weird play or something funky that happened in the game. Um, but overall, you remember more stories, more anecdotes, more, you know, one-liners, more, you know, goofy situations or, or just or the light coming on for a dude, whatever, at practice. Those are right. the things you miss. And for coaches, um, there's so many things that go during the coaches' meeting that just stick with dudes. That's where, that's where, you know, coaches earn nicknames and, and things like that. And then of course, you know, the, the film sessions with players, um, you know, where you kind of look at back at film and, you know, there's a player standing over there kind of looking around the plays going on. You kind of circle them up and everybody in the room kind of gets a good chuckle. And it's like, what are you doing, man? You know, and you get the, I don't know. I mean, those are the kind of things of, you know, just I, I can remember certain situations during film sessions and practices um, from three years ago. Uh, the very first before we even, since I'd even played a game, when uh, Coach Greer was here uh, back at that summer at the small church and the tall grass and the mosquitoes out in uh, Allendale. And there was just so much. I think we probably remember more things about the practices out there than the actual mm-hmm. games on the field that season. So, you know, definitely he, he struck a chord with me as someone uh, who's been in, you know, the high school ranks, you know, recently that uh, I can totally I, – I never even thought about until he said it. And it was just kind of one of those comments that just kind of grabs you by the boo-boo and, and you totally are like, wow. 
I never thought about that, but uh, you know that that guy is unbelievably right about it. So uh, that was something that stood out to me and and just kind of grabbed me and took me back for a little bit. Well, the young man that you're talking about, let's go back a little bit. Uh, Nate Ryan Booker, by the way, is the young man. He's six four. He's a quarterback, a linebacker, he's an athlete. You know, he runs a four six. He's also uh, a guard for the uh, and a forward over to the basketball program as well. Uh, he got co-player of the year in the Skiza eight-man offensive player of the year. He is from Monk's Corner, South Carolina. So right back to Monk's Corner we go. But this time, St. John's Christian uh, is the young man. I was in the process of looking it up, and I want to give a shout-out to uh, a guy that's listening. You already know, Coach McAfee. Good afternoon, good evening, sir. The head basketball coach over at the Fort checking us out tonight. Coach, thanks for listening in. And uh, probably, you know, I ain't going to say he's scouting, but I'm definitely telling you he's listening to uh, a couple of coaches that I know he knows well. One of them, of course, is Coach Blake Hall. Uh, you know, uh, those two guys, uh, you know, they've known each other a good time. And, of course, Coach David Long is the head basketball coach at Somerville. That's their rival school. You know, they, they have a lot of conversations uh, from time to time as well. So uh, we appreciate you listening in here tonight, Coach. Is, uh, again, you know, we are very, first of all, uh, congratulations to Mr. Booker, who, yes, I got to see him play in our uh, Epic 84 game. And uh, he did an incredible job. He's a very good quarterback, but he's a really good secondary guy. And I think that's probably where you'll see him play in Columbia as a, a PWO, an opportunity there for him. And, hey, you know what? Why not take that chance? That's what, that's what a guy named Hunter Renfro did. You know, he had scholarship offers to Wofford, where his dad was an All-American uh, as a defensive back. But Hunter said, no, I want to go to Clemson. I want to walk on, and I want to make it happen. And it happened for him. Why not? Can it happen for you? You see the running back over at Sumter. He's doing it. You're seeing this kid right here. He's doing it. It seems to be, hey, go big or go home. And these guys are going to go big. And then if they have to go home, at least they can say they left it all out on the field. We're going to take a quick break, though, because I believe the bus is pulled up to Delaware. That's right. We are now in the parking lot over there at Delmar High School. Coach Cox is on standby. But we got some, well, passion to talk about. Let's do that with this speech. And a little introduction for the coach right out of this break, guys. Don't go anywhere. A little more Southern Sports Central right out of the break. People say you you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing, and it's totally true. And the reason is uh, is because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. And after all, if you do really like what you're doing, it doesn't matter what it is, you can eventually turn it, uh, you could eventually become a master of it. The only way to become a master is something, to be really with it. And anything you can be interested in, you'll find others who are. But it's absolutely stupid to spend your time doing things you don't like in order to go on spending things you don't like or doing things you don't like and to teach your children to follow in the same track. If you're not willing to risk, you cannot grow. And if you cannot grow, you cannot become your best. And if you cannot become your best, you can't be happy. And if you can't be happy, then what else is there? You have to harness your will to say, I'm going to challenge myself. Sometimes I have to pull myself out of bed and say, come on, Les. Things I know I should do, I don't do. Things I shouldn't do, I do. I found that the biggest enemy you have to deal with is yourself. So deciding as you look at your life, as you look into the future and say, what fears am I holding on to? What fears that I'm allowing to imprison me is keeping me from breaking out, that's keeping me from living up to my true potential, that's keeping me from really being happy, that's keeping me from having a sense of adventure and excitement in my life. 
What's, what's keeping me from controlling my destiny? You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in your ability. You've got to believe in your service, your company, your ideas, unquestionably. You've got to have faith, and that faith gives you patience. That is not going to happen as quickly as you want it to happen. Failure is a detour, not a dead end. Perseverance is the key. You can believe you deserve to win. You can feel that you determine your results. You can feel incredibly motivated and inspired. And you can practice. But unless you put in the perseverance in actual effort, all the training in the world won't help you unless you hang in there when the going gets tough. If you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight, to work day and night for it, to give up your time, your peace, and your peace, all that you dream and steam is about. Life seems useless and worthless without it. And if you gladly sweat for it and fret for it and plan for it, lose all your terror of the opposition for it. And if you simply go after this thing that you want with all of your capacity, strength and sagacity, faith, hope, and confidence, and stern pertinacity. If neither cold poverty, famish of dog, sickness and pain of body and brain can keep you away from the thing that you want. If dogged and grim, you besiege and beset it with the help of God you will. Welcome back, everybody here. Love, oh, do I love giving a little bit of that uh, lessons in life videos or the audios there as, uh, man, so many. As uh, I've gone through in my days, I'm 43, man. I still go back to that as I get up and get my routine moving. And we are moving fastly as we are making our first time. Let's check out the rookie marks here as we're hanging out in Delaware at Delmore High School with the assistant coach, Cox. Welcome, Coach Cox, to Southern Sports Central for the first of many. Hey, God, can you hear me? All day long, Coach. How's life up in Delaware? Hey, man, it's all good. That was a, that was a very good intro. I'm a big passion guy myself. Hey, that's what makes us breathe. That's what makes us live. That's what makes us hurt inside, even though, you that's know, pain is a part of that, right? Exactly, exactly. That's why we get up in the morning. That's why we go out there. You, you, when you got going into that, I said, I had to sit here for a minute. I thought, man, are we going out? Are we going out on the field right now, or what? <laughs> That's I a love preview, it, man. Coach. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm real big on that, guys. I'm really big on that. Well, I tell you what, I'm a big guy on what you're doing. I keep, we, you know, myself, of course, I'm Richie Altman. Eugene is the other guy. Between the two of us, we've kept in contact. Eugene does a lot of stuff uh, on there with me as well. I'm going to let Eugene jump in here at some points here tonight while we have you on here. But it seems like we share a lot of similar interests. We love the Nick Saban stuff, man, the, the, the conversation. As a matter of fact, you know, he said something. It was him and Bill Belichick that were sitting together, and they were talking about Kobe Bryant, who – Man, it, it's a tough one. As uh, it doesn't seem, it's hard to believe it was. It, it's a little over a year and a day that uh, you know we lost that talent here on Earth and all those that were on that 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 helicopter. But you know, he he, they sat there and they compared a lot of notes about Kobe Bryant, and, and he talked about how you know they talk about you scoring all the points, but they don't talk about the 300 and whatever days it is of preparation 
of what it takes to get to that point, you know. So it's very important that you have a plan, you have a purpose. And the one thing that, you know, we were talking about earlier, you know, with, with one of our guests, again, was, uh, you know, you got to have a plan. You know, you got to have a direction. You got to have uh, a why, if you will. So the mindset, the direction, and the drive equals what? The results. And so you guys are, are going through it right now, coaches. You guys are in, what, week four of high school football in January? Who would have ever thought that would have been a conversation? We are actually done. No, you're done. Okay. Well, yeah, my notes were yeah, wrong. We, we, we finished up in December. We okay. started in October. And okay. To take off of what you just said with uh, Saban and Belichick, and I can I can really relate to that when I first started this journey. You know, we always tell our guys games are won Monday through Thursday on the practice field. Your preparation, your dedication, and your focus, excuse me, and your commitment to your teammates is what the results going to be Friday night over there. What you said, put the field over this place. We can't do anything. All we can do is call plays and try to make adjustments and do what we have to do. That's all we can help you with. You guys have got to go out and do it, and we try to stress to our guys. Now, Coach, I, I get a chance to be around a lot of great coaches, and, and as much as I love being around the coaches here in our great state of South Carolina, I really love, you know, uh, getting an opportunity to peel an onion from another coach's mindset and, and this is the first, like Eugene and I have talked about all day. We were excited since this morning to know that you were going to be jumping in here with us to wrap up our show tonight because we haven't been to Delaware in high school football. But, you know, down here in the South, man, Friday Night Lights is a tradition. It's a religion. It's a must. And nobody's home because they're all at the stadium. You know, what's a, what's a night like uh, in Delaware at Delmore High School, man? Kind of give me, uh, sell me the story on a Friday Night Lights up there. Okay, we're in a small town, and half the town's in Delaware and half the town's in Maryland. It's a very unique situation. Our high school is in Delaware, <clears throat> excuse me. So you know we play we play Maryland schools and we play our conference games. Uh, Friday night at Delmar is an event. It's an event. The reason I say that is. Is because we have so many of our alumni, which I, I am an alumni also, that have stayed in the area. They either teach, their kids have played for them. Um, there's people I see all the time that I know I went to school with. They all make a point to be there on Friday nights. We've had playoff games, you know, 700 miles is nothing for you guys. I'm very familiar with South Carolina. I can get. I can get around pretty good down there, but for us to travel upstate to play a playoff game, and when we arrive, there's already four, five, six hundred people waiting for us to get there. And I know that doesn't sound a lot, but coming from a school of about 600 kids, that's quite a few people just waiting for us to get there. Now, when the game starts, we could play a team that's – they could be – three miles down the road and we've traveled a hundred miles and we'll have three times the people at a game than they will. We travel very well. As our head coach uh, always says, he says, our folks always travel well. And that's, that's part of the battle of it is again, when you, when you travel well, I know, you know, I've seen a team come in this state all the way from Atlanta. And I mean, they had 
as many at that game, it felt like, as, as the home team did. I mean, they were bringing them in on buses, and, and, and that shows the tradition of, of it all when it comes down to it. So when you go through it, what type of traditions do you guys have? I know a lot of people, you know, whether they rub the rock or they walked out in the stands with the flag on their hands. Well, what is the tradition over there, and of course, at Delmar High School over in Delaware? Well, we're consistent with what we do, and, and that's what I love so much about it. We feed the kids every Friday, every Friday before game. Well, this year was a little bit different because they weren't in school. Excuse me, man, it's really dry out here. But we feed the kids and have a certain thing we do. Like our special teams and our skill guys will go out, and I'll be in a locker room with a lineman. And the lineman and I, there might be 12 of them. That's where I cut your offense, defensive line. I'll have the lineman in the locker room, and we'll call a little talk. It might be two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. I do the week. I might take something I heard from Bill Curry. I love Bill Curry. Bill Curry puts it all in perspective. I've used quite a few of his pieces like Donald and, you know, stuff like that. that some of the kids haven't heard before. I don't like to go over and do the same thing over. But as far as our tradition goes, we all come back in the locker room and we all kneel for a prayer. And that's really our biggest thing. We come out the same door in the locker room, we go in the same game to the stadium every time. We don't change anything. If we go on the road, and we feed them. When we stop at the same places where we feed them, we take food with us. Especially in our situation, we try to keep the routine as close to normal as possible. We don't really have a, a rock or anything. We do have a trophy we play our biggest rival for. It's called the Lions Club Trophy. And that's big for our kids. Matter of fact, we didn't get to play this year. And my son plays for me. And I think he was more mad about not getting to play for the trophy than he, than he was not making the playoffs. Mm. And that's, that's a big thing. It's, we're six miles apart. And uh, that's wow. a big thing. That's a big rivalry for us. And uh, we had the chance to retire the trophy this year. Some of, the, some of our seniors that I've coached for five or six years, I, they were very disappointed. So, you know, that's just some of what we do. We're probably between a two and a three A school in your classification. And uh, we have won state, seven state championships since 1976. So our current head coach, he's been there 27, 28 years, had two losing seasons. And uh, wow. we're very consistent in what we do. Our staff, we also, we also have a running backs coach that's been there for 37 years. He had six rings. And he's <clears throat> had to talk about him for a minute. He's uh, – He's one of these guys, when you first meet him, you're like, mm, I don't know about this kid. He could be comfortable, you know. And it's one of the finest individuals I've ever had the pleasure of being around. All of them are, for that matter. We're all family. That's why we do this. You know, we do this because we kids, but we also become family with the kids and the coaching staff. So that's, you know, that's sort of, that gives you kind of a scope of how we are up here. Right. Now, let, let me ask you about – let's go back to this season, though, because, again, with you guys playing, you know, I've got some new ideas or some new conversations and some new thoughts here. You know, for, for this season, were you guys in school during the season? 
uh, as far as classes, or was it virtual? And, and, and tell us about your season this year. You know, as far as different things that were that were different this year than it's ever been done. Because I know what we were doing down here, but in, in, in Delaware, where were some of the mandates that that your decision makers there in your state or there in your district made you guys go through that were different than it was the year before? Okay. It's been a, and I, I'm, I'm a kind of I kind of my my emotion on my sleeve. I'm, my heart goes out. Obviously, is not just here. Even there were you guys. They had through so much year. I'll go over them real quick. But what where we had to start, we had to have a plan. They couldn't work. We could. We had to put them in groups. If God didn't show up, that group had to work with nine. You couldn't move them from. They were called pods. I don't know why, but anyway, and. Uh, up with a plan for conditioning. We had to submit it to the district. They approved it. The trainer approved it. So when we came back for practice, when they gave us the green light that we were actually going to play, our protocols were app on their phone. They had to do the questionnaire. Had to answer all the questions. Temperatures had to be taken. When they went to the locker room, they had that. First of all, they had to come to practice with. And on. There's four pads and helmets were in the locker room. We were allowed five players in the locker room at one time. We had to get, them, get your helmets, get your shoulder pads, come out and get dressed outside. That was the protocol, and we had to monitor all that. Um, face coverings, all the coaches had to wear There's our mask that we wanted to wear. We got mask breaks. The players did. They had to bring their own water, and they had to stay separate when they weren't doing drills. Now, at the end of practice, same thing. We didn't have to take the temperatures or anything. Everything was recorded and sent to the district weekly. Come in, lock in the locker room. Of course, you know, if you're around teenagers, you know, they want to get in there and they get the ball, they get shooting the ball with their boys, you know, and you got to go in there and say, look, guys, we got to go now. The guy's waiting. So when everybody got done, we had ionized sprayers that we went in and sprayed all the locker rooms down, shoulder pads, helmets. We did this every night, bathrooms, everything. And I have to say, I'm going to brag on our guys a little bit. Our kids really handled this very well. I couldn't have been more proud of a bunch of guys that when they had seven games on their schedule and they lost three because of COVID, which had nothing to do with us, handled themselves very well i tell you what this has been a learning curve and i say this to a lot of a lot of individuals by the way my son is a senior in high school and i told him i said look if you can transition right now from everything that we're going through you'll make it in college buddy because this right here is college 101 man you're getting an early life lesson right now you're also getting a life lesson that sometimes things don't go the way you plan it that's called life you have to adjust and that's why i've encouraged all my children to play athletics because it teaches them how to handle adversity and, and how to handle certain things that, quite frankly, you don't expect to happen. You know, things are just going to happen in life. So, you know, for me, I applaud you and your coaches and, and your head coach. And, man, I, I got to tell you, we want to get you back in, uh, but I wanted to make sure that we got you on tonight because I wanted to break the mold, if you will, and, and I want you to bring some players on. I want to have a conversation okay. with some guys in a different area as well. Um, 
I'm glad you, it's funny you would say that because I told I was soon to be 17 year old myself. He puts football mm-hmm. lacrosse for me, and we're getting ready, trying to get ready for lacrosse season as we speak. Um, I told him the same, almost the same exact thing you just said. I said, if you want to play, don't care if it's D2, JUCO, well, I don't give a, I don't give a crap where it's at. I said, if you want to go play at the next level, I said, you're getting a taste of it right now. Because you've mm-hmm. got to be responsible for your grades, you got to time management, and you got to make good decisions. And he's actually brought his grade point average up about three-tenths of a point by being home, doing it, doing his work at home. We had the option to send him back at uh, the first, when they came back from Christmas break, and my wife works at the school, and I told her, I said, I said he's doing pretty good right here. Let's just, let's, you know, let's leave it like it is for now. Right. And see what happens. But, you know, you talk about encouraging kids to play sports, and, and this is how this is how I look at a guy or any any kid that plays for us. If I really sure. want to get a good scope of a, of, a, of a player, like if he's a stud or if he's not a stud, it doesn't make any difference. I want to see how he handles himself in an adverse situation. Everybody can slap you on the back when things are going good. But you give me a dude or a bunch of guys that when things are going bad, they can pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and say, you know what? You kicked my rear end this time, but I'm going to bust my you know what to see that doesn't that you won't kick my rear next time. Those mm. those are the situations that you're looking for. You're looking for how they're going to react. And not all of them are going to react like, like you would think they would. Because they're 17-year-old kids. We all want them to actually put their teenagers, you know. Like Mr. Br- Coach Brown you had on earlier, I was listening to you guys earlier. He was talking oh, about all the social, the social media. Comp- oh, my God. It- I mean, you had a phone with a 20-foot cord on it. You thought, the house, thought you were a big thing. <laughs> we didn't have any of this kind of stuff. It's got so much on right now. And... Exactly on point. Focus well, Coach, on, I, instead of focusing on other things. No doubt, Coach. We don't have the best connection tonight, and I apologize. I, I know the World Wide Web and, and social media and, and everything else is, is rolling pretty thick right now. And, of course, uh, you know, the, the, the towers, I'm sure they're full of a lot of uh, – those using the uh, the uh, the phones and all, but I want to get you back. And, and when I get you back, uh, if not next week, the week after, uh, I want you to bring okay. a couple of players with you. And uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much on behalf of myself, Eugene, and all of us uh, of our family here at Southern Sports Central for your support, uh, for listening. Uh, and I tell our guys this all the time because we have four different shows that happen on this network uh, throughout the week from Monday to Friday. And I say you never know. You never know who's listening. Uh, to your show because of the reach that we have and the media that allows us to do that. Here we are touching the ears of those in Delaware over not only at Delmore High School, but who knows who you might have told. So I just want to say on behalf of uh, a man that visioned this thing 12 years ago, thank you so much. And on, on Eugene, I know he says the same as far as just giving us the love and the opportunity to get to know you, your family, and uh, not only your family, but the entire Delmore High School family, Coach. Um. Look, 
I don't have a, a great radio voice, and this is actually the first time I've done a radio show. So I appreciate, you guys reaching out. <laughs> I appreciate you guys reaching out today. Hey, I tell you what. Well, y'all do a great job. Go ahead. I said, told my wife, she says, you're going to do what? <laughs> so I had, to, hey. I had to show her a thread on Twitter because she don't do Twitter. I do Twitter for the sports. I, sure. I, I hate the politics on the other social media networks. I do Twitter for the sports. I love to connect with the coaches on there, man. It's awesome. It's really awesome. And I really appreciate you guys having me on, man. I'm a rookie, so I was. You get you guys, uh, Coach Brown. That was a tough act to follow, right there. <laughs> We've got. Hey, look, you had three. Yeah, two basketball coach and a and another coach in there. Of course, uh, you, you you did your job. You did your due diligence, and you represented not only the the, the Delaware area, but you did Delmar High School a lot of justice tonight, Coach. Uh, God bless you, your family. Y'all stay safe up there in Delaware and. I'm going to reach out. I know Eugene will do the same off the air because we want to make sure that we, we start to build this relationship, this ministry, and this opportunity going forward, Coach. I appreciate it, guys. God bless you all, too, man. We we need a little bit more God in our lives. Amen to that, Coach. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you, sir. You guys have a good night. You got it. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The bus is now back out on the road heading southbound on I-95 as it's coming home here as we've got about uh, six, maybe seven minutes of the show. I want to thank uh, the coach from uh, Delaware right there at Delmore High School. Coach Cox joins us here as, uh, you know, love, love, love the opportunity to reach out to a lot of the uh, the coaches that we got a chance to deal with here tonight, talk to tonight. Of course, it all started at 6.30 with Mike Uva. Of course, he is over at Watch Fox Sports over in Columbia. Then we hit the road uh, from Columbia to Monk's Corner over at Berkeley High School with uh, Coach Dr. Jerry Brown. That guy, oh, that guy there. There's a lot of excitement about him being back in town. And why not when he's got three state championships just alone at Berkeley, 175 wins from 1993 to 2010, he's done it for 33 years with five state championship games under his belt, 291 games in all. I know the guys over at Wade Hampton and Batesburg, Leesburg, Leesville, excuse me, uh, were excited to have him when they did. And then, of course, we uh, we turned the, the tables and headed inside to the basketball gyms where we got to check in with a good friend of mine, David Long, who, you know, while I was over at Somerville, I had a chance to do a lot of media with him as well and his staff. Over there at Somerville, of course, he came to us from the Firehouse, which is, uh, you know, a very, uh, a very sentiment place there. That's got a lot of history and tradition. A lot of great athletes have played in that gym. AJ Green comes to mind. Shaq Davis comes to mind. Jonathan Bennett comes to mind. Um, I'm trying to think. Andre Banks comes to mind. I'm talking about kids that are either playing in the NFL or at a high level in college right now, and they're playing football. But they started in uh, basketball and football. But of course, after that, we went over to. Uh, the Berkeley County side, again, as we went over to Goose Creek, checked in with Coach Blake Hall, the Goose Creek High School varsity boys basketball coach. He's got a few conversations of championships under his belt as uh, he's been doing this a long time in his resume, which he didn't want to give us, but we're going to release it here after a while. But he started, as he said, as a Berkeley County boy growing up. He ended up spending some time at the Citadel and a few other hot spots. I think North Charleston was on his resume list as well. And then, as you just heard, right there all the way in uh, Delaware over at Delmore High School with Coach Cox wrapping us up here tonight. But, Eugene, a great group of coaches. You know, I know we're only doing this thing on Mondays and Wednesdays, and, and I think that, 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 of course, gets the anticipation up 
because uh, I might actually hit the road tomorrow and go watch some uh, high school basketball, man. I mean, you know, I'm looking at this schedule. I might, I might have to go see this road game between, you know, the, uh, the Berkeley Stags hosting, uh, of course, uh, Goose Creek. I'll get a chance. I'm sure the basketball coach along with the principal will be over there. Or excuse me, the football coach and the principal will be over there in Monk's Corner, and I'll get a chance to uh, catch up with Coach Hall. So it's uh, kind of a trifecta if I head over there tomorrow night. But great show, great lineup. Uh, you know, I want to, again, thank our uh, our media team who continues to really upgrade. You see a lot of new graphics coming out. We told you guys 2021, it's going to be the year of the athletes, and we're showing it because, yeah, we'll still talk some high school football. There's no doubt about that. That's not going to ever go away. College football, not going to go away. High school basketball is definitely coming in, though, and it is going to be a main entree. So we'll use an appetizer and a dessert menu, if you will. But in the middle, we will definitely promote – some high school basketball, and guess who is going to join us next week? We'll talk to some wrestling coaches around the low country. Yeah, we're going to get in here with Coach Tucker. He is the head wrestling coach over at Somerville. Of course, uh, one of the prestige programs, not only at the high school level, they have a, an incredible takedown club as well. So he'll join us next Monday night as uh, those guys are ready to hit the mat. They do the same thing, by the way. They'll be getting on the mat starting on Friday as well. So a well-oiled machine. Uh, again, it's not just one sport, it's all the sports that have been affected by this pandemic, but it's our job as media, it's our job as, as mentors, it's our job as coaches and, and, and parents and anyone who has an opportunity to be a difference maker, to be a difference maker, if you know what I mean. So, you know, we're excited, can't wait. You know, we're trying to get the coaches in now, Eugene, so we can bring in the players later. But let me give you a few minutes here to say a few things before we go off the air. Well, just announced, actually just came across the wire on uh, on on the ticker on that uh, letter network. Uh, Tennessee has signed Coach Heupel to a six-year, $4 million per, that's $24 million deal. Mm-hmm. So things are moving fast at Tennessee. They already got a contract in hand with the coach. Uh, he signed a six-year, $4 million deal, so $24 million. So, again, they didn't have a whole lot to pay in a buyout. We know why. Uh <laughs> They're they're moving fast, so twenty four million out to him. We'll see what they do as far as, as uh, assistance, and um, we'll go from there. We'll be reporting it as they come in, but that's a that's a big deal for him. I don't. I'm sure he was making a little bit less than that at Central Florida, but uh, you know now he's secured his six year deal. I guess you know he went you know a little longer. A lot of times it's a four year deal to start with with coaches, um, but I guess probably with a. You know, I don't want to say they have impending sanctions because I don't know. But, um, you know, I guess he decided that, you know, to do this, we need to do a little long-term. So they signed him for a six-year contract. But uh, it's been real fun uh, getting to meet some of these basketball coaches. And, and of course, you know, uh, having that talk with Coach Brown. I did um, uh, coach uh, against him in a game uh, when he was at Wade Hampton. Actually, it's funny. It's, uh, you can see a part of that game on uh, Netflix. It's on the QB1 series. That's the uh, infamous game. I'll never forget it because that was the game that I gave a pregame speech to Oceanside before that game. So uh, that was uh, something I'll never forget was actually uh, giving the pregame speech before playing against the legendary Coach Brown. I didn't uh, just want to add that to that. So that's out on Netflix. I think it's uh, season two, episode uh, six or eight. I can't remember which one. But uh, anyway, uh, it's been a great show, man. And uh, looking forward to uh, the next the, the next lineup of uh, coaches and and players. 
Yeah, so there will not be any show tomorrow night. Uh, we're, we're working on getting a, a, another program put together to put on that show for tomorrow night. And the, the, our thing is that we want to give as many individuals to use this opportunity for a platform uh, to speak and to have some conversations. That doesn't mean that Eugene and myself and others won't put something together as basketball playoffs are coming up. We may need that Thursday for that as well. So we'll wait. We'll see. But I do know Friday morning, Brandon Biscoping, Sports Unlimited, kicks off at 7 o'clock. Rolls out until 10, so three solid hours with uh, a very impressive guest list all the way from Myrtle Beach, only heard on Southern Sports Central. Again, shout out to the following. Mike Uva, Coach Dr. Jerry Brown, Coach David Long, Coach Blake Hall, and Coach for joining us here tonight. On behalf of all of us at Southern Sports Central, we wish you an incredible, an amazing Wednesday night, an amazing Thursday, and until next time, God bless, take care, and we'll see you soon, guys. Take safe.